Welcome to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray. North South Connection, welcome back to another installment of Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0, episode 12. Is I your host, Ryan Gray? With me always is Rocco Martone and R- Mike Rossi. Rocco, what's up? How much? I'm great. Yeah, I know you're looking forward to this guest. You've been hounding me. I had to pay the booking fee to get him here, and you know it's an early Christmas present to, for you. But uh, you know, just remember that. All right. Appreciate it. I appreciate it greatly. Before we get to him, Rossi, what's up? You know, how's the Verizon world treating you? Before we get going. It's going, man. It's going, man. And, and I mean, this is episode 12, so that means that it's WrestleMania 12, um, which, you know, not many people might know this, but the Huckster wrestled Nacho Man in the pre-show to that WrestleMania. Did you guys know that? No, I, that's speaking of, I, I didn't, I don't recall that, but speaking of gimmicks, we have a special guest today. Um, my boy, Marcus Fuller, Mar- Rocco's early Christmas present. Marcus, what is going on, dude? And the check just cleared. It's going to be a good Christmas in the Fuller household. Thank you, Mr. Gray, for the payment. Uh, I'm happy to be here with you guys. Um, yeah, super pumped to be here. Rossi, good to be back with you. Uh, same for you, Ryan and Rocco. I'm happy to finally be on a podcast with you, brother. So this is the first one for you two, huh? That's correct. Yep. Two first the time talking, like, verbally? Yeah, whatever that word you said was, yeah, we did that. We're doing it for the first time. Two of the best voices on the network, I think, me and me and Marcus. I will say that. I'm not, you know, I have a pretty shitty voice. My voice is actually better. I had voice surgery around COVID time where they took some pupils out of my voice. So, your boy used to talk like this. So, good thing I wasn't podcasting back then. But my voice is not as soothing as you, you two. I, I will agree. Pupils? Um, pupils, <laughs> I always... eyes. Pew, pew, whatever the fuck they are. Whatever the P word is. You know, Lord Smith. All right, enough of the bullshit. You guys ready to fucking. <laughs> let's talk some wrestling, man. Yeah, let's talk raps. There's not much news, guys. It's fucking rumor season. It's a, it's a little slow as we get here in the dog days of November, but with November brings WrestleMania season, and WrestleMania season brings rumors, so. We'll get to that in a bit, but last episode we were previewing Crown Jewel, and I think that the uh, the best and most newsworthy match coming out of that card was the Logan Paul news. Logan Paul and Roman Reigns went on to have an absolute banger, as Sheamus would say, and all the Kip kids. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie, that, that match was way better than I anticipated, and I anticipated a pretty good match. Uh, Logan brought it. He suffered a ACL or MCL or a something with his knee mid-match. And, um, yeah, kudos to him for doing that mid-match. I wonder if he uh, it happened on the jump from the outside while live streaming to the table or if it happened on the impact of the table or happened after that. If it, if it was hurting him before that and he went and did that pretty sweet move off the top rope to Roman through the table, you know, kudos to him even more so. But, um, yeah, Logan Paul... Oh, and Roman Reigns. Did they over-deliver in your eyes there, Rocco? Uh, I watched it just because I knew I was going to have to. I don't usually watch the Saudi shows. They annoy me. Um, 
My guess. To me, it's one of those things where I just go, look at all the effort it took to do that. And, you know, you have Drew Gulak, apparently, and HBK, and all this work that went into making this one match. And I don't know if it was really worth it all for all that. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's like, look at how much of work it takes to bore me when I look at these Star Wars and Marvel movies. Like, ah, a lot of stuff's going into that, and it's just not interesting to me, and it's not engaging me. Once again, we've said, maybe I'm not the guy. But to me, like, it, why was that not a ricochet? And I know, like, you could say it wasn't draw all this stuff like that, but it just seems like so much effort, and I just don't care. <laughs> like, and I guess over-deliver for something I didn't care about, but... <sighs> Yeah, I, I'm torn because I know functionally it was a cool thing. Uh, it was well put together, but it just seemed like acting. I don't know. It, it's tough. You put me in, right off the bat. You gave me a little bit of a tough one that, that I really want to wrap my head around. He kind of seems to me like Bella Porch, who now is a singer. Like, and she did that Extreme Rules song, right? Like, you just have this person and you gave them all these tools to have a great match with Roman Reigns. But what is the end result, you know? And that's just where I come out. I, I want to be happier about it, but that's where I that's where I am left. I have a I have a real question for you, Rocco. Have you ever heard of YouTube? I know you're you know the internet is 2010 is a thing, but have you ever heard of YouTube? Yeah, sure. Have you heard of Instagram? Yeah, I got that. Well, your boy has a lot of followers, and I'm not talking about your boy myself. I'm talking about your boy Logan Paul. I think he uh, that impulsive deal he's got going there on YouTube is pretty pretty swell and. Uh, 25 million Instagram followers is the reason why they did that match and the reason why they kind of jumped through hoops to make it happen. And I I think it was a success. And I think that being the most ever watch crown du jewel event ever by a doubling margin, I believe, was the uh, the verbiage on that one. Or so the twice numbers. as many people got to watch propaganda. Um, so, well, OK, but still, it's a low bar, but. The numbers seem to be there, and I'm just talking. I'm not talking about the. I'm talking about the 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 bell, the bell. So uh, I don't think that uh, it was that much of a disappointment to not do it and suggest that dull ass one lane ricochet is a better option. Who's had you know years and years of non charismatic. But they could. That's, they what are we? Are, they are, what are we proving the point with Logan Paul? Come on. They're really proving the point that they could do that with anybody, and they just choose not to, and that's the thing. But Rick, Ricochet is not Logan Paul on a on a worldwide aspect. Of course, it's you know it's not always about you know the the guys within the WWE, and Logan Paul is a an experiment outside of that to expand the fan base. And you know I'm not there's I don't have any hard and fast numbers. Uh, proofs that he does but the assumption is that he does and the numbers would back up that the potential is to do so I and mean, again it's i don't really think it's for you i was just asking you if the match was was <laughs> well you say the business aspect and all the youtube people but youtube people don't watch tv and tv is the big thing right now that they care about right to getting well, the, the rights and things, like... they double their numbers by doubling their highest output of a crown jewel i would say is a success even if it's the worst pay-per-view of all time numbers wise it's they're still doubling what the bar sure I, all i can say is it, it just looks like a lot of work for something i don't care about and that's you know that's just me all right well we'll get off your lawn now rossi i have a question for you upside wise bad bunny logan paul gun to your head who do you got Logan Paul all day. Absolutely. Um, he, 
Bad Bunny obviously is the the bigger star, is the biggest musician in the world right now, uh, if or you know artist we'll say. Um, but I mean, in ring size, I mean it's not believable that that guy could go twenty minutes with Roman Reigns. It was believable that Logan Paul could because Logan Paul's a pretty big dude, um, all things considered. Um, I and seeing his brother in the ring um, in a in a wife beater kind of was like, wow, they got the right Paul here, even though his brothers are probably even a bigger star. Um, so I, I definitely think it's Logan Paul over. I, I don't, that's not to bash Bad Bunny. What Bad Bunny was able to do, you know, in the Rumble last year and Mania the year prior was really goddamn cool. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, he's got a kind of a ceiling that I don't think, I, I mean, Logan Paul smashed through the best Bad Bunny performance in the first time he was in a ring. Uh, um, and I ultimately think that, you know, there's a lot more money matches that are there for him. And the more good matches he has, the more respect he's going to get from people that dislike him. Uh, maybe not Rocco, but maybe uh, some other people. Uh, um, and uh, I think ultimately he's going to be in a spot where he can, you know, have a match with a Cena, have a match with, you know, Kevin Owens or whatever. You know, you, there's it's endless, right? Um, I don't know that he'll ever be like a world champion or anything, but that's not really the goal with him, right? Uh, the goal with him is to get, you know, new new viewers in, and he's going to do that. Bad Bunny does it too, but I think Logan Paul does it on a scale that can bring those viewers in, but also make the existing viewer, you know, feel like they're actually watching wrestling when Bad Bunny was entertaining. But, I mean, no one actually thought that he was going to beat up Brock Lesnar in the Rumble, you know what I mean? Yeah, I never, you know, took in the fact how small the Bad Bunny was. But, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good point where – on the Logan Paul front where he was able to go into the ring with look against the Roman Reigns and look the part two, especially being three matches in or whatever. But, you know, I just thought it'd be a fun comparison to get your opinion on those two guys. Now, Marcus, you know, where are you at on the Logan Paul of it all? And give me a WrestleMania point opponent for him coming out with the news coming out that his brother say, saying that he didn't tear his uh, ACL and that he should be back sooner rather than later. Uh, I, I think Logan Paul is doing a lot of good for WWE. I won't say uh, wrestling as a whole, but at least for WWE and their business model, which seems to be very star heavy. Um, I think he's doing a lot of good. And uh, for instance, I went to go pick up dinner uh, the night of Crown Jewel and I happened to be wearing a, a Wolfpack shirt and I had uh, four dudes there all asking me about, hey, did you watch Crown Jewel? How Logan Paul do? Should we go watch the match? You know, and they're all. If one guy's like, yeah, you know what? I love wrestling. I love AEW even more. Another guy's like, yeah, I haven't watched in a while. But everybody knew about it, and everybody was talking, and then they all said they wanted to go back and watch it. Uh, so I, I think it's doing a lot of good, at least getting people on the periphery, uh, peripheral that are into wrestling or would be into wrestling, and getting them to check something out. Whereas I think like a guy like Bad Bunny is more about like getting people who maybe haven't watched wrestling uh, in a really really long time or normally wouldn't uh, good about like getting that out. But uh, as long as they keep Logan Paul kind of like in his lane with the storyline and keep his booking kind of limited, I I enjoy it. Um, not everything's gonna be for me, but again, I'm not the I'm not the target. I'm already watching. Um, so as far as WrestleMania goes, uh, at the end of the Crown Jewel match, we got a little taste of the Usos versus the Paul brothers, and uh, I think that's the WrestleMania match that I want, is uh, the Usos versus the Paul brothers. Um, that's a match 
and we've been, you know, kind of clamoring for tag team wrestling to get a proper spotlight. Um, it might take two outsiders to do it, but I could see that match uh, semi-main eventing, co-headlining, perhaps even closing down a WrestleMania night one. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Just that Jake Paul, man, he was so unlikable with that limited role that he had. He just, and for a boxer, those those punches look rather weak, man. He needs to throw some hip, <laughs> hips into him, man. That looked rough. But, uh, a little too much daylight. Yeah, and he had like super, like super douchey. Like everything that Logan is to Rocco, I felt those vibes with Jake. Like mm. he, needs have, he needs to have a match with uh, Shane McMahon and have a light punching match. Ryan, did you? Ryan, were you on the hype train of like a four? four like, are you? Did you star it up or no? Did you give a star rating to that guy? I went four and a quarter ski, buddy. Wow, wow. And that's on a second watch too. Mm. I noticed the thing, and that's kind of how it seems like that's got a lot of the traction of a match of the year, right? Like in the WWE, and it seems like that a lot of people are talking about. And it's funny because I was thinking of that Gunther, Sheamus, Cody, Seth. And the one thing that like took my brain away, and you're going to fucking hate this, Ryan, is that literally every – you would say that those were considered three of the best matches of the year. Most people, that's the consent in WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, um, every single time within a week, Orange Cassidy had a match that was better and rated <laughs> – uh, during the Cody Seth match, he had his Osprey match. The Logan Reigns, he had the Shibata match. And the, and the, the Gunther Sheamus, he uh, had a pack match and a Death Triangle a Trios match. So um, – I don't know what that point I'm proving is, other than I just want to say that I think that's funny. That's interesting. Maybe the Osprey match, but uh, uh, I don't. I don't know about that one. But yeah, the that seems box office. Um, the Usos versus the Paul brothers. Uh, with Logan, I would. Oof, I don't know. Like a bad buddy match would interest me. Just like could what could those guys go in there? Well, really, what could the people backstage put together? for like give them 12 minutes 15 tops like what could those guys go out there and really do and you want to talk about highlighting the brand i guess that would be an interesting thing but i don't you know i don't know uh that would be kind of like the most box office and i really like that because i'm not really wasting a wrestler on logan paul right now but the uh oof, the usos is, seems fun you know brothers versus brothers too but just keep Jake Paul away. Be a be a corner guy for all I care. Either one of you other guys have a match for Logan at WrestleMania that you would throw out there? <clears throat> yeah, Cena. Cena? I would use Cena another way, but you know, Cena's so limited. I wouldn't throw him against Logan. But that hey, I, I uh I've seen that one floating around and I'm sure for Cena in his new career, that would be uh eyeball worthy for him. I mean, and the thing, too, is, like, you're, if you're talking about, you know, he just main evented with Roman Reigns, um, the Uso story's there, but it seems like he's, the Usos might be tied into something with, like, a Zane and an Owens, um, if, if, you know, we can believe the rumors there, right, which it all seems to make sense, right? Um, mm. And then, you know, after the pay-per-view in, in February is in uh, Montreal, you know, obviously that can get heated up really strongly there, um, get a huge babyface pop in that spot. Um, so, I mean, Reigns, I mean, you, you go from Reigns. I mean, I can't really see him falling too far down the card. Right. Um, so that's where a senior, I think makes sense. And, you know, I, yeah, I heard that rumblings in the Logan Paul was already saying that he wants to do it. Um, it just seems like a good fit. I mean, would I'd rather have like What's a senior. In a, it, <laughs> yeah. Would I, would I rather have like a senior and a Gunther? Yeah. But yeah, that's I mean, being, 
being realistic, I can see that it being Logan Paul and Cena. Rocco, who do you- Logan Paul, fucking Abulah the Butcher or something? Uh, I don't want my boy to have to be involved with him. I'll say, how about uh, June Kasai, the crazy monkey, and slam him on a fucking scissor board with a Michinoku driver? Sounds right up your alley. There you go. All right, so that's kind of all the news that's worthy talking about Crown Jewel popping out right now. Uh, you know, Brock and Les Brock and Lashley was fun. Um, it's interesting that you know Lesnar was the one to go in there and take the Lesnar beating and then take the and get the phantom pin. So that was a little interesting role reversal right there. Um, Bailey and Bianca was fine. I'm good with last band or women's standings for the time being. Uh, it's just a solid undercard. Nothing really, nothing really bad. Almost in Braun was kind of fun in a Hossie big man slap and meat match. Um, so yeah, that was crown jewel and it was, uh, you know, it was a good watch and the, the main event being the highlight. All right. The next one is rumors are coming out Monday that stone, the WWE has offered stone cold, Steve Austin, other, another match to everybody here. Marcus, let's go with you first. Uh, who would you like to see the the Stone Cold fella wrestle again? And, well, one, will he wrestle again? And two, who would you like to see him face? Stone Cold Steve Austin once said, as long as they keep sending those gimmicks in the mail called bills, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to do whatever it takes to pay him. So um, even though WrestleMania in Dallas uh, was the perfect uh, send-off for Steve Austin, um, I'm going to consider anything I get bonus, and if I like it, I will gladly take it. And if you know it's not uh, not what I wanted uh, or not as good, then I'll just leave it for what it is. Um, as far as an opponent for Austin, you could always go back to little something with uh, Austin Theory taking the stunner at last year's WrestleMania. Or I guess this year's WrestleMania. Um, so okay. you can naturally get to that. But the one that I really want to see, and this might blow up some WrestleMania plans, but the heart wants what the heart wants, and I'm not being logical about it. <laughs> I want the big dog, the tribal chief, Ooh. the head of the table, Mr. Uaa, Roman Reigns against Stone Cold Steve Austin. At uh, LA? At WrestleMania, yep. Okay, okay. Rocco, you're up. Who do you got? Is he cutting a wrestle again, and who would you like to see him face? I, I would definitely want to see him wrestle again. Um, that's the best thing that's come of these Saudi shows is they have the $30 million to pay him to come back and wrestle <laughs> again. Um, fucking, I love that idea. I mean, shit. Fucking. <laughs> I think a funny match might be like a Carl Anderson or a Good Brothers kind of thing where he just fucking. I did not have out. my bingo card. No? I just no. think that the. It would just be so ridiculous and so incredible and maybe not have so many bumpskis in there for for Stone Cold. But, yeah, I mean, I kind of like the idea. If you're going to do it, like, do it do it the biggest way you can, and that's him and Reigns, right? That's not bad. Rossi, who do you got? Well, one, Izzy, and two, who you got? Um, definitely is. Um, I'm strictly, I didn't prepare for this question at all, so I'm going to give you the first thing about my head, and it was Finn Balor for some reason. Um, so now that I'm thinking about it and it's like, all right, so judgment day has been running rough shot on raw. Right. Um, and I feel like the buildup to mania this year will not only, I mean, it's not going to be, will Steve Austin show up? It'll be Steve Austin is wrestling at WrestleMania. Right. So, I mean, imagine, you know, 
him coming out and just dressing down, you know, Dom for being a little um, cuck, basically, um, you know, with, you know, Damian Priest and Finn. It just seems like something that I could see them doing, and it's good TV, and it keeps Finn kind of at a high level, which I think Triple H wants to do. Would would a would a Miz match be worth anything? I just uh, I guess I, mean, I don't really care about him, but I just like because the biggest thing for me with the the WrestleMania match with Stone Cold and the, the, everyone was very weird about it being like, is it a match? It's is it a whatever? But it had to be the way it was because they had to have a talking segment first because Stone Cold wouldn't just if Stone if Stone Cold was feuding with someone, he wouldn't come out and talk to them. He'd come out and kick their ass. So he, they had to do it as a segment like that. Because that's the only way – because you want Stone Cold and Kevin Owens to have interaction. You want Stone Cold to be Stone Cold on the mic at WrestleMania. So they had to have it be a talking segment that turned into a match. And so I'm just thinking in terms of that, the same kind of thing where you could have Stone Cold. But it wouldn't be – it couldn't be a real match. It had to be him just fucking humiliating them. So I don't know. It just popped in my head. And I don't really even want to see that either. But. No, I'll pass on that one too. Yeah. But uh, mine would be – I would have a little little road to WrestleMania. I would go uh, – I'd give The Rock – Little fantasy here. I go Rock Austin at, at the Rumble versus the Usos. The uh, the Rock would go on to face Roman at WrestleMania, and that would leave Austin match wide open. And I would go one John Cena. I think that's box office. I think that's fun. Two Sami Zayn. You know, good callback to Austin. I mean, for t- good callback to KO and. You never know. Sammy could still even be in the bloodline by then, and then they could work post-WrestleMania for the fallout with the bloodline and Sammy. And then uh, and then three, I would go Mr. CM Punk himself. Uh, I don't know if he's healthy. I don't know how severe the injury is, and I don't know if the, if the money's right. But, you know, I think that's a, a legacy match that would go over pretty well. So, I don't know. That's my kind of lineup for Austin. And uh, gun to my head, I think just Cena and the – and the generations colliding. They were like two ships in the night in passing. They never once one career ended when the other one started up pretty much instantly. I think Austin ended on <laughs> on June first Raw and Cena started at like the next SmackDown. And then they had a little crossover, but Cena was on SmackDown. So you know, two legacy guys, two generational talents, um, two big draws that really would kind of line up and just be super box office and could really can you imagine WrestleMania one night Stone Cold versus John Cena and the other night Roman Reigns versus The Rock. You know, those are two top 10 guys potentially of all time in one WrestleMania. So that's kind of pretty epic right there. So that's kind of the road I would go down there. All right, guys, we have another rumor. It's hot and heavy and let's just, it's rumor season. So let's let's just play to it. The Rock. He's also rumored to say yes to a WrestleMania match. Uh, he's in. Originally, it was Roman, Vince, and Bruce having these talks with The Rock's people. Uh, the Rock is now talking to Bruce and Roman strictly. Uh, and The Rock and Triple H have not yet to have conversation. That is the scuttlebutt. The Rock people says he is concerned about the outcome of the match because of his recurring characters now in the Fast and Furious and other like the superhero vision, whatever, Marvel, DC, whatever the fuck he's in now. So the Rock franchises now have recurring roles instead of like Hercules or whatever one time spots. Again, I'm not Mr. Cinema, so don't quote me on these things. But that's kind of the gist out of the Rock's camp of the Rock is concerned about putting the, the big dog over because it could hurt his returning 
name recognition within these brands. But with the XFL coming around February and The Rock wanting to do promotion for that and, of course, wanting to do do business with his, bro- or his cousin, Roman Reigns, it sounds like the perfect storm and WrestleMania being in L.A. So it kind of all comes together. But with The Rock not talking to Triple H yet and The Rock's people kind of stirring up some bullshit potentially about the outcome, um, I'm not necessarily sure if, you know, things need to be ironed out. But on if it was Vince and Bruce and maybe just Roman, The Rock would have said yes and they probably would have figured, figured out the schmas. But um now with Triple H in charge, maybe The Rock isn't isn't so keen on that. But then you have Nick Khan, who's you know a friend, a longtime friend of The Rock, and the, his sister is you know, what lead writer to the the Young Rock. So there's a lot of connection there. There's a lot of um, you know in and outs with The Rock and the WWE. And yeah, I don't know. The Rock could be a one-time buyer of the uh, WWE in a group or whatever for the upcoming sale potentially. But um, I don't know. That's the gist of it, and the, the rumor is the backup plan is to involve the Usos now, I guess. Uh, that's kind of why Triple H is adding flavor to Jey Uso right now and kind of going down that road again with Jey and Roman in the bloodline and then kind of figuring in the, maybe an Uso on each side between The Rock and Roman, and that kind of sounds not so funky, but those are the rumors, and this is rumor season. So, however they can get there, um, The Rock and Triple H need to talk apparently, but However, they can get there and come out with The Rock putting over the big dog at the end of WrestleMania and doing the bloodline right and kind of the bloodline and The Rock is The Rock is the one kind of holding the bloodline story hostage in a way to the past few years. If not, you know, I don't really think it's losing steam, but they're kind of building towards that. So the question to each one of you guys, Rock, Marcus, do you believe all this Rock smoke? Um... Look, The Rock is always looking for a payday. Um, so there's probably some smoke there, and I, I would believe it. Um, I, because I think there's there's some serious money in seeing The Rock with the Bloodline. Yeah. And then getting to the one-on-one match out of that. Um, so that's what I would like to see is maybe a uh, like a five-on-five at one of the big uh, events. Not WrestleMania, but maybe that's after WrestleMania. Who knows? But I would love to see a five-on-five with all of uh, the bloodline, including The Rock. Uh, I'm figuring Sami Zayn is (laughs) excommunicated from the bloodline by then. But, um, (laughs) yeah, that's what I would want to see first before getting to the Rock-Roman singles match. Um, And I also see money in The Rock versus Jey Uso. I think that's pretty fascinating. Like, maybe getting The Rock to try to get Jey Uso to... Uh, fully step out and you know revisit what, what by then will be almost three years earlier where Jey Uso tried stepping out and uh, you know wasn't quite ready. So not a lot and got got. Yeah, so I, I I think there's money there and also um I think there's seriously something there with uh the big guy the big equalizer of the bloodline with Solo Solo Sokoa. He was sent by the fathers of the bloodline. Um, he was sent by the fathers, and whenever Roman needs, whenever he desperately needs that little bit of extra help, it is always Solo Sokoa. Um, he's always cleaning up the mess, and uh, he's batting a thousand. So maybe there's something there with the Rock and Solo Sokoa too. Yeah, I'm interested. Um, 
Now, let, this me, back- let me jump on that. Let me jump on that because you, that's kind of where I was going to go with it. So, um, well, what's the plan B here, Rossi? So let's say that there's, you know, Rock's got this big $50 million movie that's coming next summer, and they're like, no, absolutely not. But you can't have a wrestling match. But what if they, you know, what if we do a tag match? All right. And, you know, let's go back to our last conversation. So Usos get, let's assume the Usos are tied into something else. So Reigns needs his big muscle. It ends up being Reigns and Solo. Again, not a perfect situation for Reigns. Um, he should really be in all singles matches. But, hey, if you're going to get Dwayne, you're going to get Dwayne. If it has to be a tag match, it has to be a tag match. Yeah, so yeah. Reigns and Solo against The Rock. Rock's alone. Rock needs a friend. Who can Rock's friend be? Maybe that's where we use Stone Cold. That's cute. That's a big spot for Solo, man. <laughs> I, I don't really see it being the Usos, unless if it's like Rock and the Roman versus the Usos. I don't, I don't really want to break up the Usos for something weird. You know, it's not weird. It's all time. It's a WrestleMania main event. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't really want to. I'd rather have the Usos stick together, you know, instead of uh, breaking them up for something like this. But, Rocco. Mm-hmm. Will the Rock smell what Roman's cooking and do the job ski? I mean, this is a guy who once put over the hurricane and did a job to Al Snow in a cage match on Raw. I don't think he's ever really had a problem with that. I don't – the stuff with, like, not wanting to hurt his characters in movies sounds like a person who doesn't understand show business, money, or anything. So that sounds that like – sounds weak to me. So I'm yeah, just – Yeah, that's just, that's just nonsense that. by a nonsense person. Um, I do love the idea of – I mean, I, anything that Rock could do to get some money to make a Moana part two is anything I care about. One of my favorite movies of all time. But Jesus Christ. Um, when you have, <laughs> but the thing is, when you talk about like, like the fact that it's his family is that means nothing really. Cause it's like, I think like what Marcus said, it's about money. Like people say like, Oh, doing it for yeah, your family. Rock has more money than God. Yeah. But people who have money, a lot more money. Is there, like if you ever had someone whose, whose parent died or someone died in their family, it's like, well, they'll just give me their house. It's like, no, people want that money. They don't want to just sell you their house for $10,000 when it's worth 400,000. So I, I don't see like family it might be, play a part in it, but he's, he wants some cash. And I love the idea of Triple H. It's the old thing of, like, shitting on people on your who are below you because you're going to see them on your way down where Triple H was a total asshole to this dude for so many years, and now he's got to beg The Rock to come back. So I do kind of yeah, like Yeah, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in those conversations there. Yeah, just picture all those smug assholes being a dick to The Rock all those years, and now they're just begging him to come back and do something. So, yeah, I don't think he'll have any problem doing a job for anybody on the, that show. I could be wrong. What the fuck do I know? Yeah, big rumor season here with that, though. But anyways, let's get some quick hitting news. Matt Cardona is in talks with Triple H about a return with Chelsea Green. Kind of like a Maria and Mike Kanellis type of pairing back in 2017. Uh, hence the word I didn't mention, Zack Ryder. I mentioned Matt Cardona. Cardona has bigger upside than Ryder, you would say. But by how much there, Rossi? I'd say a pretty decent margin. Um, I mean, Ryder was what he was. He was a goofball. If you bring Cardona back as Cardona, um, some of the crowd might be confused. Um, some of the, the Midwestern WWE fan that doesn't watch anything with WWE will be like, wait, wait, Zack Ryder's back. Why has he got a new name? But, you know, that's where he can explain that and say Zack Ryder's dead, yada, yada, yada. Now, I think we kind of talked about this before. Um, Cardona and um, Chelsea 
really do work as an on-screen duo. Um, you know, it's been kind of low-level places like your impacts and your GCWs and whatnot. But I think it can definitely portray itself on the big screen of WWE. Um, now, their best friend, one of his best friends is Cody. One of mm-hmm. Cody's best friends is The Miz, one of which is also one of Cardona's best friends. Each of them have wives in wrestling. Each of them have wives in wrestling they can do stories with. Um, I don't think that we're going to be seeing a ton of Brandy on WWE TV, but I also feel like we're going to see some of her. And this could be an opportunity to do that. Now, it's kind of a shitty spot for Cody because I don't think that a Cardona in WWE is ever like a high-level guy. But Miz is kind of in his niche of, I don't want to say mid-card, but some of his feuds can feel like upper mid-card, right? Like the Edge one at Rumble last year, things of that nature. Um, Maurice is a great on-screen character. Um, I think as long as you don't let... uh, um, as long as you don't have Brandy talk at all during a build like this, I think you can get some creative stuff with the, with the three groupings. Uh, maybe even Miz works with um, Cardona when they get introduced. There's a lot of different ways, and, and hell, Gargano and, and Candice can even get thrown into that mix too. Um, there's a lot of opportunities here that you can kind of get some like mixed tag stuff going. Um, and, you know, Cardona can do more than that too. He's a very compelling character. Um, I think that they can find a way to, to make use of him under a Triple H regime. Uh, he might not be able to swear like he can in the indies right now, but um, he can still be that dickhead character that can, you know, get a crowd to boo him, put over babyface, and, you know, still come back whining the next day. So um, I think he's got a really good fit for WWE. I think AEW had a good opportunity with him and fucked it up when, you know, whenever they brought him in during the pandemic. Um, but ultimately, I'd bring him in the fold right away if you could. And it also adds more value to Chelsea, who I think Chelsea's good, but I think her coming in with a more established main roster name just elevates her profile as well. Yeah, um, I was a Zack Ryder fan back in 2011, so that kind of always lingered with me. I kind of always rooted for him. And um, presenting him as Matt Cardona may be weird, like you said, but it would be kind of give him a better chance to live up the, to his potential. I'm not really sure what that potential is, but if he comes in as a Zack Ryder, you know, he has a hot two or three weeks, maybe he has a program, but, it, you know, he's going to find himself in a tag team or he's going to find himself on main event superstars or the equivalent of that at the time. So with Matt Cardona, um, he could kind of maybe dig a little deeper into whatever character he has within him. He has talent. I like him. So, I don't know, we'll see. We'll go from there. They, they've never really had the guy shed his old image. They don't do that a lot. It's a, it's like a like a bat born going to ECW and with the doing thing that was kind of like that. But, like, just I always thought it would be the coolest thing for, like, you know, like Eugene to just be like, I was doing something silly. Or Santino Morello one day to go, I was, I'm over that. Now I'm this guy. Like, for him to just come out and change it. Because in the past, what, you get, like, a John Morrison who disappears and they bring him back and they gave him the same exact role. <laughs> like, the dude made a name for himself and you bring him back and you put him in the same exact spot. So it would be a really cool, different thing for them to do to say, this guy's a different guy now. And it's a, such a simple promo to cut. And you just could establish yourself as a babyface or a heel with it. You could say, you idiots cheered for that guy. Now I'm this guy. Or you could be, like, the opposite of being, like, uh, now this is me. This is who I am. Like, you could do anything with it. By that change and they've never really done that I, I that i could remember i could be wrong but uh also he seems like a merch table bully but that's just me 
<laughs> you don't say. But hey, that, that <laughs> guy knows how to hawk some merch, though. You know, kudos to him. Marcus, you got anything on the Cardona before we get out of here? Yay or nay on him? Uh, I'm gonna give a yay. Like, why not? And I think with the combination of Cody coming in uh, earlier this year and showing that you can take something, which we all knew, it was just something that WWE was kind of hesitant in doing. You can take when WWE releases you or you part ways and the challenge is go make yourself more valuable, make us regret not having you, right? Come back a bigger star without us. And then I'll, some guys go and do that. And Cody's an example of that. Matt Cardona's an example of that. Cody comes back in. He's a bigger star now than he was when he left. Uh, I think so you combine that kind of challenge and philosophy with a change in leadership, Triple H, who might be willing to take a little bit more uh, risk. Bringing a guy like Cardona, who's made himself different and more valuable outside of WWE, uh, you know, you can have him on screen with Chelsea, you can have him, you know, they don't have to be in the same storylines, like they can be existing in separate stories. Um, and yes, why not try to, you know, let him reinvent himself again, which he's he's always done. Um, and I'm not saying he's got to become world champion uh, or, you know, close out any pay-per-views, but... He's a perfectly fine middle of the card superstar, uh, as we would say on on WWE War here. Uh, I believe he's above replacement level. He is he's totally fine. Um, and if you're going to be bringing up a lot of younger kids from NXT, that is a guy who's been working the WWE style in the system since his day one, pretty much. Uh, and he can pass on a lot of knowledge. And at the same time, I think he's proven uh, that he can connect with people. Uh, whether it's Goofy Zack Ryder, Take Care, Spike Your Hair, uh, whether it's as a tag team guy, uh, or in the independent scene as the uh, new King of the Death match. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm down. I'm 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 down to see it, and I think as long as he's not overexposed, uh, I think I think it'd be worth it. And he could teach guys how not to just do moves, but kind of how to get over. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like that 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 aspect, and even just the social aspect too of being in the WWE for 12 years, like he could help young people get that, like acclimate to that environment. So that's a really good point. Is he the biggest guy to get over outside besides Drew and Cody? Would you say? I would say so. Right. Feels like it. Yeah. It would be a hell of, it would be a hell of a victory lap for him for sure. Um, because he kind of left with, you know, no future, no, no, I mean, his first year or so out of WWE, I don't think he did shit. Well, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you're you're in a spot now. You come back as a superhero, basically. It'd be a really cool, um, you know, way to kind of reopen the doors, but also kind of close the Zack Ryder book and you know have a much more positive outlook to a bigger group, you know. And that roadmap is paved with Drew and Cody coming back. And he's is he on that level? No, but hey, you never know. You never he, know. He he definitely did too. What to, for GCW something that you know like he really helped make that a thing that people watch. I, I thought he was bigger in GCW than Moxley was. And That's what I was just about to say. say that, he yeah. definitely was. He, yeah. he, I was just talking to, to Drew from beyond about that about a week ago. I was like, um, you know, Cardona did way more for GCW than Moxley did. Um, and ultimately I think Cardona did more for his name when he left WWE than McIntyre did. When you think about it, evolve wasn't something that people were crushing to see. You know what I mean? Cardona was somebody that people gave GCW the highest grossing pay-per-view ever before Hammerstein, that joke, um, because of the gauge match. You know, it's they were able to he was able to 
really impact indie wrestling for a little period of time um, where McIntyre just pretty much had to rebuild himself kind of to help him his self-confidence more than like make a ton of money outside of WWE, you know? Yeah, it's good parallels. So here's my prediction on Ryder. You know, if we get 40 man Royal Rumble, we're going to get Zack Ryder as elimination early. We're going to have an angle and then Mark Cardona will re- return and enter the Royal Rumble later. And we'll have a little Mick Foley. I don't ever two, want to see that again. Two time entries. And it's a good way to say goodbye to Zack Ryder and hello to Matt Cardona. So that's my little two cents on that. And that's the idea for uh, for that. All right. The next one is Amazon Prime is rumored to be going for the WWE TV when it is up. You know, those talks are probably preliminary right now, but that's kind of right now is where the stage is of those discussions, like under the radar before you go out and have those big discussions. But right now. It is said to be rumored to have a $1.5 billion offer for a five-year contract. Right now, Fox is in the middle of a five-year, $1 billion contract right now for the rights to SmackDown. So do you want to see Raw or SmackDown like Thursday Night Football is right now, uh, viewership-wise? And um, is this a huge thing for the WWE, Marcus? Those two questions to you about Amazon and the WWE TV. Um. I think if WWE continues to kind of diversify its um, distribution, that's okay. But I don't want to see the regular programming go to an exclusive streaming site. Um, I I think the cool thing about wrestling and WWE uh, in particular, I don't think, like, they want to lose that accessibility. Um, I think they're already pushing it by... We're already pushing it uh, when Raw and SmackDown uh, were both on USA um, and you didn't have uh, that network television reach. Um, so I think like one of the cool things about wrestling is just how easily accessible it is. And I know like times have changed because like there's YouTube and clips and Twitter, everything else and Facebook. Um, but at the end of the day, you're still trying to get uh, people to sit down and invest uh, their time uh, into watching the television product one way or another. And um yeah i just i just think that losing that accessibility that's pretty easy um would be a mistake uh and maybe hurt gaining uh fans moving forward but uh as far as the money goes i mean yeah i'm I'm sure uh amazon or or fox or whoever would pay big money to have exclusive rights to wwe or to a brand um because you know that's live sports and that's just where tv is heading but uh, at the end of the day, I think it would just be a mistake as far as um, gaining new fans. No, I can see like that Sunday ticket aspect of the Amazon and Fox or the Amazon and NFL deal coming you know, to fruition where you can bounce around between games. But on Thursday night, I don't really like I go to change the channel all the time, one, because the games suck and two, you know, it's commercials or whatever. So you want to mm-hmm. see what else is going on if you want to go check the Celtics or whatever NBA games on or whatever you got going on on a Thursday night that you want to check. And you're like, fuck, it's on Amazon. I have to get out of this app go on YouTube TV on another app. Like I'm not changing devices, but I'm still moving apps. That's a lot harder and more annoying than changing the channel. So from that aspect, I kind of hope it doesn't happen. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing like, I think it would be pretty cool for them if they stayed on Fox or SmackDown and then kind of the USA network is so reliant on raw. I thought it'd be pretty cool if they just moved raw to, you know, NBC on, on, 
on a Monday night and they went back to two hours and it was the same deal money wise and kind of USA was just kind of obsolete because they kind of seemed to be reliant on the WWE more than not. And maybe with, you know, with the history of NBC Universal kind of dissolving a lot of their outlets in the last year or two. So that'd be kind of my ideal, like kudos to WWE for getting a deal like that. Two network TV shows, two nights a week. That's pretty cool. But I don't know. I don't, I think it would be cool. You know, the money is huge, $1.5 billion. If you're getting a 50% raise, that's outstanding on your rights. So, you know, kudos to them. And, you know, Amazon's a big, big name. It's just the whole changing the channel aspect. And hey, how much are a percentage of – because I know my father, who's over 55, doesn't get Amazon Prime. I got to go over there, put my fucking – my username in there and kind of show him how to get to a Thursday night football game. That was a thing that I had to do. And – uh how many of these WWE fans are so reliant on cable that they're not going to be able to kind of pull that off? So is WWE going to have to make these tutorial videos and make that happen kind of like they did with the network back in 2014 for all these old timey folks like Rocco to kind of jump <laughs> off, get off, get off their uh, whatever the, their routine and find it. So is it worth it? Of course, it's half a billion dollars. So oh, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, I heard that rumor out there. And, um, you know, kudos, even if it's in the discussion and it's in a bargaining chip. Kudos to the Amazon WWE for Amazon putting their work that company in their mouth. But uh, the last quick hitter we have is William Regal. His AEW contract is coming up soon. It was a 12 month deal when he signed it. And I believe he signed it. He was let go right after the new year. So probably around February ish is when this deal should be up. So it seems to be the rumor is that he seems to be holding out for a big money deal from Khan or hopes to kind of go back home with his boy Triple H and get a big cushy um, scouting role or whatever he had going on there, but in a bigger scale within the WWE, not just NXT. So, uh, Rocco, do you believe that smoke? And your boy's going to get paid. Well, you know, is is that worth AEW to pay him? Uh, it seems like it's a more fun thing for him to do what he was doing the old school NXT way, where he's just going around and meeting. Seems to be a guy that really enjoys being around young people and and young wrestlers and being a part of that. So the NXT job seems cooler to him than just being. I don't know what he's doing behind the stages of in AEW, but uh, I don't know. I think he likes. It seems I don't know the fucking guy, but it it just seems like a cool thing that he would always talk so fondly of in the way he's talked on podcasts about just meeting the new people and uh, growing up younger, growing up, growing the younger talent. So I don't know. And his buddies, Paul, uh, Paul, Jesus Christ, like I know, Triple H. And I think he's indebted to Triple H. I think Triple H really helped him out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like we said, Triple H, that was a guy Triple H was nice to on his way uh, up, you know, and uh, he, he took care of him when he got older. So, yeah, I think uh, I think seeing him back in NXT and he he really became a fixture of NXT and Probably his most one of his most memorable characters was his NXT commissioner role and his little wrestling thing there more so. And I grew up in WCW world and uh, I remember a lot of this stuff. But, you know, that character was a character, you know, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think NXT, WWE, whatever he's going to do there is going to be the coolest thing for him to do. Not that I haven't enjoyed the uh, Blackpool thing, but uh, I think that would be the cooler way for him to go. Yeah. Tea leaf wise, I wonder if uh, this weekend we get a little. Hey, so are you in or are you out, William? Because if you're out, let's disband the Blackpool combat right now and have you kind of pull a quick one on Moxley. And that, maybe that's how MJF wins it. Well, if you believe the tea leaves, but this isn't an AEW podcast. That's just kind of a uh, – the contra- the William Regal contract was a little nugget thrown my way. So I was curious if uh, 
either one of you guys, whatever you guys thought of that. Now, you know, kudos to WWE. They, you know, kudos to WWE. WWE lost William Regal for a year, and, you know, Regal was in a spot telling Yuta and Dick Garcia that, hey, you know, NXT is interested in you, and what's AEW offering? Is that, you know, so what is, uh, that might be a little thing that they're missing, and, you know, AEW was able to capitalize on that, too. And if you see a lot of Regal's guys kind of end up in AEW. So even if he was there for a year or so, he's still pretty bench, uh, pretty, pretty pivotal signing for AEW in retrospect. Plus, we can't forget that his son is in NXT. Yeah, Charlie Dempsey is in, in NXT, too. So yeah, I'm sure he wants to be around for that, too. So I don't know. I, feel, I have a feeling that he will go back to the WWE and... You know, not signing or I don't know how big is of a contract Khan might, you know, rely on him and he might want to block him. So he might get himself paid, too. So either way, kudos to William Regal on that. Yeah, I think AEW would miss his commentary, um, even though he might only do it like one time a, a, a night. I mean, he brings so much value to that table that sometimes sorely needs it. So, um, you know, who knows? I don't think if the one thing AEW doesn't need is more commentators, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I get the gist of what you're saying for sure. All right, WWE TV report. Guys, this is weird timing. We're 10, 11 days out from Crown Jewel, and we're 10, 11 days from uh, Survivor Series. So we kind of fall in a weird timing spot here. But anyways, let's just hit it. We, you know, we have about four to five matches announced for Survivor Series, and then we can kind of read the tea leaves on a few other ones. But the, you know, the biggest one being the men's Survivor Series or the men's War Games match. It's, you know, it has been officially announced, but if you, after watching the end of SmackDown and you read the tea leaves, you have the Bloodline, Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, the Usos, and Sami Zayn going off against the Brawling Brutes, Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch. And flanking them is Drew McIntyre. So those are the components that are confirmed. And the reports, you know, if you read the tea leaves and you could kind of see what was coming, you would assume that Kevin Owens would be the one teaming up with them he has a small history of being a surprise opponent in war games um there's reports that he was off wwe tv on hold for an angle you know probably this being the angle and then you have the old old school roman component you have the uh the sammy component of course and then the prospect of sammy and ko teaming up post war games if that's instantly or down the road on the road to wrestlemania so you know I saw the tea leaves, and that was what I picked the game, War Games to be. But with the news coming out that KO uh, t- tweaked his knee or whatever, and he might be out four to six weeks, I don't know. I think he would tough it out and kind of find himself within the War Games. So question to you guys. Marcus, let's start to you. What do you think of that War Games? And uh, will K- can Chaos tough out that leg if he wants to be a part of the first ever WWE style war games? Kevin Owens is a madman. So uh, can he tough it out? Absolutely. I have no doubts about that, especially if they do something similar. Uh, 
like he did with the uh, NXT war games that he was a part of where he was the surprise person and came out last. Um, if he does that, he comes in last, he cleans house. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he's there for a big spot or two. Uh, I'm sure he could, he could get through it. I don't have any doubts in him uh, as far as that goes, as far as the rest of the war games match taking shape. Uh, absolutely love it. I'm really happy that, uh, Sheamus is getting a prime spot. Um, I really hope this leads to a Sheamus and Big Dog match because, whew, uh, that's <laughs> that's right up my alley. Uh, you could do that the Rumble. You could do that on a really big SmackDown. I uh, make a really big deal about it. Um, but I'm I'm all for that. Um, Pete Dunne seems to kind of be like one of Triple H's uh, favorite utility guys. Like anytime there's a match or a big spectacle uh, that Triple H has his his fingers in, uh, Pete Dunne seems to be part of that ingredient. Uh, so I have no doubts that Pete Dunne's going to show out, or uh, excuse me, Butch. Um, you know, Rich Holland. Talking about there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't want any confusion. Uh, and Rich Holland has has been improving over time. Uh, and they've kind of been limiting his spots to kind of just showcase his power uh, and his explosion. And I think that's a really good spot for him. So, um, and of course McIntyre. Um, I think this is a good spot for McIntyre. It keeps him in the main event without giving him another one-on-one title shot. Um, Plus, he's a hossy ass dude. He's gonna course. kill it in that game. Of course, Whoa. yeah. He's he's gonna be a madman. Like I still remember him in that elimination chamber from 2011, I think. Oh, he was a puppy. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he was a madman then, and he was just a, a young man. So, uh, trying to think of grown man Drew McIntyre now. That's uh, that's gonna get my blood pumping. That that gets me. Uh, that's kind of wrestling I want to see is just a whole bunch of big men doing big man stuff, hitting each other real hard. So, uh, I'm looking forward to this war games, and I'm looking forward to whoever the mystery person is, and I'm hoping it's KO. Yeah, I think it'd be great story-wise for KO, and I'm if he is any inclination, they could protect him in there. I'm sure they would, but he seems like the guy that would go in there and fucking take the crazy bump because you know there's going to be a crazy bump. If it's not KO, Rocco, who would you go with? If it's not KO, okay. Um, hmm. <clears throat> I guess you could throw in a little Shinsuke who had a little comeback. Uh, I know it's kind of like they teased that Roman feud a while back, so maybe have him come out. And be a part of it. People do like him a lot. Um, I always say Ricochet because I like him <laughs> apparently more than Ryan does. Um, Carmelo Hayes had a lot of history with Solo Sequoia, right, in NXT. So that would His be a really town too, buddy. Oh, really? Oh, so okay. I'm gonna sound smart and say that because I I knew that of course. Um, I'm really interested in the idea of a Drew McIntyre Solo Sequoia feud coming out of this match, right? Like that's a that's a something. <laughs> to yeah, happen you'd say it's due you know they coming out of this they're gonna need well they crown really he never got Lee, revenge, and they have right? eight weeks till the rumble yeah he never got revenge for uh cardiff right so, so they're gonna be big smackdown matches yeah yeah and that could be a big uh showdown in the in the uh you know the way they they stage the uh, the war games when they finally see each other face to face i think that could be really cool so i I hope the, uh, you know, the Owens is like one of those injuries where it can't get worse, so have him come out. And he doesn't have to do the big bump because he could just be the fifth guy or, you know, the last dude in there. So uh, I don't I don't know. I, I would like to see it be him because that's really cool and uh, he deserves to be in it. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to sound smart and say Carmelo in his hometown. I kind of like that. I'm not going to lie, Rocco. That's a pretty good one. Now, now, Rossi, question for you, buddy. Now, um, is Sami Zayn going to survive the bloodline coming out of the Survivor Series? We get a lot of TV left. We get about four hours of SmackDown before the 
before the Survivor Series, and we're not going to really be able to do a full preview. So that is a storyline that could be teased that Homeboy doesn't make it out of the Survivor Series alive within the bloodline. Um, He should lose. I mean, he should be the one that eats the pin, right? That causes his team to lose. Um, And it'd be, I mean, if he lost to Owens too, that could also, you know, work really well into a story. Now I was saying, I was going to say Riddle makes it makes good sense to fill that fifth role. Um, Because, you know, he's kind of always mentioned Reigns. He's always tried to get back to there. Um, But yeah, Zane in reality this is where you should start to see movement, um, whether it's, you know, he makes a mistake, which causes Reigns to get pinned, which I don't think is going to happen, or he makes a mistake to get really solo pinned or anybody really, um, or he just eats the pin himself. There's a bunch of different ways you can go with it. And, you know, maybe they beat him down post-match and then Owen saves him from that. Um, there's a lot of different routes you can go. I mean, I tend to think they're going to save most of their big angles for TV at this point. Um, but I mean, this match should be killer, and uh, Zane's probably going to go all out in this match um, and, you know, ultimately be the one that we might be talking about as, like, a real star on our hands. Um, and, I mean, if that leads to the breakup from there, then that's perfect booking. So hopefully that's what ends up happening. And, you know, I think Zane, you know, the turn might not happen here, but you're going to see the the, the um, smoke really starting to form on, on that breakup angle. The Rock comes out. I mean, didn't he have? Wasn't it? Isn't it ten years since he had that match with the Miz and our uh, Truth at a Survivor Series? Was that 2012? No, nah, it was 2011. Ah, shit. At, yeah, at 18. But um, Wait. yeah, I I, I was going to say, hey, uh, how about KO gets Stone Cold to fill in? But that's just bonkers. That's crazy. <laughs> I know who Vince would call if there was a spot open. Vince would happily insert Brock Lesnar into that match, but um. Uh, Brock seems to have his own beef going on with Lashley. But can you imagine Brock Lesnar with, with Drew and the Brawling Brutes versus the Bloodlines? That would just be insanity. <laughs> like, uh, Sami Zayn might not last. He might just die because of Brock just throwing him around. You know, Just, like, just Brock. The, the idea of Brock in a war games is fucking terrifying. Can, yes. Can you imagine if he's the last one out and he's just... Uh, <laughs> As a surprise, then you just see the shit running down the leg of the entire Bloodline. <laughs> Dream, dream yeah. scenario, Big E comes out as the uh, mystery guest. That'd be cute. That'd be cute, but that'd, that'd be a hell of a spot for his neck to kind of return it. <laughs> that's, me, that's me having the greatest possible outcome for his neck. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to K. I think it'll be KO, and I think he'll, he'll kind of tough it out and rough it out and get it done. And maybe it's not as bad as we assume Sunday night, or they hey, assume it's, it's, it's one of those Cody things, right? Because now everyone knows he's injured, right? Like, who knows? Hey, Cody, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those things where now we know it makes it even tougher when he comes out and does do the stuff he's going to do with a nice wrapped up leg. So, you know, I wouldn't we'll get to the women's match in a second, but I wouldn't mind holding that the anticipation out to the fifth guy towards that night, because I think they do that well. And if you know, if it's if it's KO, that's even a big enough surprise to add KO to that. And, you know, he would deliver in that role as a surprise. But uh, all right. So. Real quick, let's go around too. This is also a preview. Rocco, are they Bloodline or the Brutes team? Which one do you think is going to win here? Wow. Uh, the Bloodline losing somehow makes probably the coolest stories, no matter how you choose to do it. 
I guess unless it's like Jimmy, because he kind of has the least amount of stuff involved in everything. So, yeah, I kind of uh, one for the good guys. Good guys. Good guy spot. Yeah, I think it's a good guy spot. Rossi, agree? Yeah, I think Bloodline's got to lose. Cool way for Roman to lose a match and not be, you know, yeah. a singles match. Yeah, of course. That'll just and make him fucking crazy. <laughs> Marcus, we got a clean sweep here or the bad guy is going to ruin it? Uh, I would absolutely love uh, for a little Roman must pose, but I'm usually <laughs> I'm usually not in favor of champions winning these big matches that clean out their potential challengers. So I'm going to be rooting for the good guys to grab the win in this one. Yeah, I think the women win on the I think the heels win on the women's side, which we'll get into in a second. But um, yeah, I think the bloodline should take the L here, and a, a big angle should come out of it. All right, so. Speaking of the women's match, we have Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka and Mia Yim confirmed on the women's side with one slot yet to fill. And on the on the heel side, we have Damage Control, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley. It was confirmed on Monday Night on Raw that Rhea Ripley would join the Judgment Day or the Damage Control in the War Games match. It was a little ham-fisted and a little out of left field, but I guess they did enough back work to kind of make that work in the backstage program leading up to that. So, on paper, it's kind of a star power-wise, it's not as sexy, but, you know, a little little trivia question here. Uh, Io Sky, or Io Shirai, is the only women to compete in all of the women's war games. So, that's a cute little nugget to kind of fit in your back pocket for when you're watching the PLE with your friends. You'd be like, hey, guys, did you know this? You heard it here first, right? So, um, I don't know. Who do you guys Dakota, think? too. Dakota, too. She's been in all of them. No, she didn't make the first one, right? Didn't she? Uh, no, that was Tegan. Uh, I don't know if she made it down, though. I don't think she made it. I think she left. Did she attack her, but then just not? In, yeah, she was supposed to be in the match, and she took. Okay. Technically, she was. Yeah, she never made it in the ring. That makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's kudos to them. I, if, you know, wherever I heard that, I think that I heard that on Raw, actually. Or wherever I heard that, I think they would have added Dakota to the mix, too. But I just assumed that the angle prevented her from actually entering or being in the match. But anyways, um, who do you guys anticipate, you know, star power-wise? Are, are you satisfied here, Rago? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like all the people in it. I think they're all good. Um, it, it, now, okay, I'll answer that question, but then I'll go into what, the speculation, right? So, if you're going to do an, a new – you can't do two fifth baby faces, 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 right? Like if Owens is going to come out in the last match because the guy's match is going to be the last match, right? So do you – you don't do it – it just seems weird to do that in the same match, right? So I feel like you have to announce the women's fifth person before. I'd That's just me. If it's Sasha, I'd hold it out to the night before and I would okay, announce so KO. That's what I, I don't. Do. Sasha's too big for this match. Sasha Wait. is a rumble. Sasha's because now if Sasha comes Boston. now, it Boston. doesn't. See, to me, that doesn't matter. People are going to lose their minds for whoever. Sasha is too big for that. Like no way. Sasha at the because so, so. Sasha comes back and then she has a whole month of the weird December time of WWE. Like she should be there at the Rumble and then ride right to a fucking Mania main event. If that's, yeah, that's not her spot. I don't think, it, that's Becky or something. I agree. No, that's her spot. She's the yeah. fucking number one female fucking wrestler of the fucking world, dude. Oh, she's, no, she's the, not. She's, Stop it with dude. that nonsense. She's the fucking Brock Lesnar of the women's division. She, she no. should be the best. 
Get the fuck out of here. She should be the no- she so, has the best WrestleMania match on like almost every WrestleMania she had a singles match in. She's the fucking best. All right, Rossi, what do you got? Wait, wait, real quick. Uh, uh, you, you distracted me, Ryan, with your hate of Sasha Banks. Um, so I don't think Sasha should do it because I think Sasha, Charlotte, Becky in a Royal Rumble is going to be the best female Rumble they've ever had and lead to a really cool mania. They could do whatever the fuck they want. I think Naomi coming out, being announced – Naomi, like, gets announced, because Naomi does, like, once again, it's sold out, whatever. Like, Naomi comes out, and I don't want them together, because they shouldn't be together. Naomi comes out as the women's uh, person. Maybe they announce it the, 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 on Friday, and then she's the one, because it's a big thing for her to come. People are going to be interested to see her first match. And then she turns on him, because <laughs> a, a nice war game Swerski is always the best thing in the world. She turns on the good guys, but she doesn't, she doesn't do jam, damage control. Then she comes... And uh, they announce a new member of the bloodline. Sammy thinks he's getting in, and they they name Naomi into the bloodline on uh, SmackDown after that. That's my long-term booking that I just thought of right now. Yeah, as soon as Naomi shows up and it's not with Sasha, no one's going to care about Naomi. Anyways, what do you got, Rossi? So I'm still trying to figure out where Candice fits in because she obviously fits in at some point, or they wouldn't have done the beatdown angle. I still think she's going to turn heel. I just don't know how all of this comes together. So let me put this somewhere into the into the frame they do something similar to what they did with um the dakota dakota um tegan turn where they have candace jump somebody before they get into the ring right and then candace gets in the ring but she's actually working for the heels okay so now you've got this ultimate like six on four scenario or whatever it is um and then at that point that's when you get the surprise Sasha returns. She comes out and cleans house and whatever. I still think the heels should win. And at that point, it'll be like insurmountable odds for Sasha. Sasha won't eat the pin. Um, but I think that's how you do it um, and get the surprise turn. Everybody thinks that's the big surprise. And then ultimately, boom, you get Sasha comes out and, and helps. Even if she's not officially in the match, she can come out and clear house. Um, but I also think that the other lane, too, is Triple H has learned from this Bray Wyatt stuff, right? similar to how Tony Khan learned from the CM Punk stuff. You can announce somebody without announcing them. So it could be something subtle, like Bianca on Raw says, you know, I I can find somebody in Boston or something like that. Um, That kind of announces that it's Sasha, but it's not. Um, And that's just a way to kind of prepare people for that huge pop that she will ultimately get. Look, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you here, Rocco. I think putting her into the Rumble is the ultimate pop. It's the best way to probably bring her back into the fold. But she's been in Mexico training for like a month. She's not going to Mexico hardcore training in November for, which really started in October, for a Rumble spot in January, right? I think that she's coming back imminently. Um, If it's not this spot, it's maybe the Monday or Friday after, but with it being in Boston, I just think that the shoe fits just perfect and she's going to end up being a part of this in some way. You think this is the opener? Mm-hmm. I think it has to be right. You got to bookend yeah. it. Yeah. All right. What are you at on this woman's side? You, I, you were, you were dying to jump in Marcus as soon as we said Sasha Banks. So, you know, where are you going to, where are you at? Is, with is the Brock left now? Go ahead. I'm, I'm I'm good I'm good on Sasha Banks. Um, that said, she's a huge star. That is undeniable. She's a huge star, and I think when she is uh, motivated and presented uh, as Ooh, a star, a star. That she is, 
Um, she she can put in put on some good work. Um, that said, uh, I would choose to bring back um another big star in my opinion, uh, the biggest one as far as the women's division goes that they've ever had, and that would be Charlotte Flair. Um, and I say no to Sasha, um, because I don't think Sasha comes in like I think in war games you need like that Sting person. Like when Sting comes in and like he cleans house, he's firing. Like Sasha Banks is gonna come in and do a couple arm drags and knees. Nah, that's for a singles match. Charlotte Flair can come in here. She can throw some big boots. She can toss some people around with some T-bone suplexes, uh, and she can tower over a lot of the women in the match. Uh, and She's also flip-flopped a lot uh, as far as her heel-face uh, allegiance goes. So I think there's more questions there uh, with Charlotte. And I think the fans would be more ready to to boo her if she did turn um, to, to suddenly face Bianca. Um, as opposed to we just get a general moment where, like... All the all the good all the good guys are in this case, uh, you know, the the good, good females are up and on to the next match. Um, so my vote's going to go for Charlotte Flair. That's actually a pretty good one, too. And then you have the seeds of her and Belair being buddy, buddy. And then sure. You, right. You, you, you say flippy flop all the time. So it could even happen that night. You know, maybe you don't want to do that with save that for the men's match, maybe. But, you know, you could have the good Charlotte's going to they're going to be excited for, to see Charlotte after six months. And, uh, yeah, that kind of grew on me. I would think Becky, too, but if she's not ready, because, you know, she had damage control issues before she left at Survivor Series and got hurt. But if she's not ready, and uh, they want might want to save her for SmackDown anyways for Ronda. But the Sasha Banks of it all, you know, to kind of put a bow on that, the match needs a star. And stars, either one of those three putting, cashing in their return at, to, at the first ever war games, not the first ever, you know, if this is opening the show, this is the first ever war Games. So you, you put a four horsemen on the marquee as a surprise. It's going to add a lure and extra gravias to the match. All the sausage rumors, the last in drama, the last six months can cash in there in her hometown. That's the one I would go with. Second, I would go with Becky if healthy and then I would cash in the Charlotte Shop. I don't think any three of those would be bad. If we get Kansas in this spot, and it's a surprise, that's horrendous. If we get Kansas in the spot and it's kind of laid out, that's even that's a little better, I guess. So they don't save the disappointment of a surprise. I think that Kansas came back and was quite the disappointment. You know, you, terrible YouTube numbers, terrible engagement, no no pop on a return, no traction fan wise whatsoever, and. You know, really, she's just like a third within the way is her, is her role once the way comes together. We'll talk about that in a little bit, too, maybe. Maybe that's when she returns, but... How this, about, how, I'm sorry, how about a little outside the box? Trish Stratus, and then you get if Trish... If you saw her on Instagram, I'm for that. Oh, then Trish versus... Why? What happened? Is she pregnant? Oh, she just posted a very... Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I thought, I thought you meant she couldn't do it. I'm sorry. That, that sounded like a big move. Marcus knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, was it an amazing Trish pick, like usual? That happens. <clears throat> Oh yeah, okay, she there you go. Uh, she's, right, so the, she's she's Jim ready for this match. Oh, so there you go. She comes out. She's in the match. Leads to a match. Her and Bailey. We know Bailey definitely wants to have a match with Trish because all of the four horsemen do. Trish Bailey at at the Rumble is a great non-Rumble match for Bailey to have. Um, there you go. I booked it. Isn't Toronto close to uh, Boston as well? You guys live over there. Kinda. It's more Buffalo, upstate like, New York. 
like that matters. Like they couldn't just fly her in from anywhere. But yeah, there you go. Outside the box, because if you want a big star, but I, I honestly, I just think debuting a star in in end of November and then having the December bullshit that they always have is gonna kill whatever whoever comes back. And the and then the rumbles at the end of you know they've been so bad at like dealing with damage control. Now someone says whoever comes is gonna feud with damage control like fucking Bianca has too. Like I I don't want someone big like that. Like to me, it just all those stars are way too big. You they wouldn't do that with a Randy Orton, a Brock Lesnar, or John Cena. So and and that's what all three of those women are can't amount to. It's just it's it's putting Sasha in the first war games on the main it's not roster. A calendar, get over that. <laughs> and you have her. You would then have her for the big house show run, and then she can do matches with Bailey on the house show loop, which is big. All right. Well, I I agree with myself on this one. <laughs> the other the next match we have here is Finn Balor versus AJ Styles. Uh, I kind of slotted this to be a spot where they could maybe get a traditional Survivor Series match in here, but no, they're going one-on-one kind of blow-off were the, was the vibes that I was getting for the build to this on the last Raw, where AJ challenged him to a match and said, you know, you the Judgment Day has been a thorn in my side pretty much since or before WrestleMania, so it's time for me to kind of kick them to the curb, and uh, it seemed like they were wanting to blow this off. AJ versus Finn. Could be match of the night on any card, really. But um, it's pretty cool that they're doing it at a legacy pay-per-view. Um, you know, they had a at this time, what five, six years ago, that they had a that epic match where Finn ba- or Bray Wyatt couldn't go and Finn Balor filled in or AJ filled in for ben, against Finn, and they just went on had that no mercy match that was outstanding. So you know, they're in a good spot to come. And deliver a pretty cool match. AJ's due for a fucking classic pay-per-view match, and this is a kind of a cool spot to do it. This is going to be a tight pay-per-view by the looks of things, um, numbers-wise. So I don't know, Rossi. This seems to be up your lane. You know, is this something you're anticipating? Yeah, I mean, this match should should bang. Um, I'm all for Finn getting singles matches, and he's been performing, you know, exceptionally well in the last couple months. It kind of took, I think, Triple H a couple of months to get. Um, Judgment Day kind of to be what he wanted it to be, and I think he's done a really good job with it. Uh, Finn has just looked like a star pretty much in all these pay-per-views that, with that. Um, was it Extreme Rules when he came out with that uh, mask on, like the Kanye mask? Um, <laughs> he he was definitely, I mean, you saw the star in him that night because he made something so goofy work. Uh, so I think Triple H is ready to go all the way with this guy. Um, well, as all the way as you can go with one title. Um, and he's really just kind of been a flagship of Raw. He's kind of carried that show for the duration of the last you know few months. Um, and AJ is, we, we're so overdue for that, like, banner AJ match. We haven't had one in a while, and no one's going to get one out of him more convincingly than Finn. So I'm all for this match. I'm excited for it. I think they're going to tear the roof off the joint. And honestly, it's not going to open the show because you got to bookend it with war games, but this could be one, you know, flat dab in the middle that just keeps the crowd firing on all cylinders. Yep, absolutely. It should be a good one. Either one of you guys have anything here on that match? Uh, no, nah, good match. Uh, not for me. Uh, like it, it'll probably be like good. You, yeah, but it it'll, you know it, it takes all varieties up and down a card. So you know we're gonna have plenty of uh, big men slapping meats and and high spots and everything like that. This will be a a good uh, hybrid style wrestling match. 
Yeah, and it's a good way to go over, huh? <laughs> I mean, if you if you like are a guy who's like involved in you know what New Japan stuff, it's like oh that's kind of cool that they both were a part of that. They never really explicitly tell you, which would be a little cooler if they did. Which is kind of funny since they like mention the Io Shirai being in like stardom and stuff like that, but they don't really mention like oh in New Japan wrestling they created the Bullet Club, and I get that's probably because of other a lot of stuff that is above my pay grade, but. It is a cool thing, right? Like, if you know, you know. Like, it's it's cool that these two guys are having a match on a major pay-per-view, so. No, no it is cool. And like you said, it's it's a match that would tick a lot of boxes for someone. So. Right. Yeah. And tra- like five years ago, yeah, that match might be more insane. But, you know, you get what you get. So is it actually going to be the end of AJ and the Judgment Day? And what's next for the both of the OC and the Judgment Day? I'm kind of curious there. Well, I guess we have plenty of episodes to get into that, but we'll see. All right, another match out of kind of left field here is, you know, honestly good for Shotzi and her yellow hair. Or green hair, that would be. It's Shotzi versus Ronda Rousey. Is that, is that because you had your pupils taken out of your throat? You don't know the difference between yellow and green? Pupils. <laughs> yep, yep, I'm, I'm colorblind. But, um, yeah, this is kind of whatever. It's good filler. It's good to kind of, I don't know. <laughs> cool for Shotzi to get like a, a Ronda pay-per-view match one-on-one um that that six person match was kind of a mess on Smackdown last week but hey whatever you know whatever they figured it out and like I said good for Shotzi and her little tank to get out there and this is like a stepping stone for her to kind of rise up then she has a good performance in the Rumble and then post WrestleMania she's uh maybe wins the money in the brief bank briefcase at WrestleMania and then a star is born, you know, so it's just a building block for Shotzi. I like Shotzi. I see the upside in her, and uh, I think Triple H is doing it right. Uh, Marcus, what do you think about Shotzi? I know you have opinions on women wrestling. Uh, I hope the best. She has improved. Uh, I think she has a load of charisma. She has a natural yeah. um, uh, connection with the crowd. Um, so I'm cool seeing her get a spot here on a pretty major stage. And I think this Rousey run is probably going to go till WrestleMania, if not past WrestleMania. Um, so at least like, you know, have some fun with the rain. I'd, I'd rather watch this than see, uh, another rematch between like her and Liv Morgan, which we've seen uh, a couple of times. So get some new challengers in here, get some new people, some shine, some new experience on a big stage. Um, and yeah, let the fans, uh, get behind Shotzi. Shotzi's a character who, uh, because she does have such an authentic connection with the crowd, she doesn't have to win on that first shot. Um, like having her uh, fight some uphill circumstances and some battles is good for her and her character. Um, you know, is it a little a little much like they just did with Liv Morgan the past year? Possibly. It's a little repetitive, but, um, you know, maybe maybe something will connect a little bit better uh, with Shotzi. Yeah, I like Shotzi. I think you know, she's just like that little wholesome connection and she, you know, she's just so likable where are you at with Shotzi Rocco I love her I think she's got insane charisma I think the fact that uh old man Vince McMahon who goes oh if they have tattoos they have to be a heel because he doesn't understand that like people are just not drawn to blonde women like Vince McMahon seems to think and like people of color and people with tattoos and different looks can actually be like liked by people because uh, obviously like when uh, Rhea Ripley came up, it was like, oh, put her in all white and, like, make her do weird, like, goofy uh, hand gestures. So now a person like Shotzi, who is be- meant to be a babyface and people love her just naturally, 
because of her uh, charisma, it has a chance. And and now also Ronda does not have to be Ronda Brock Lesnar, Ronda who just kills people. She could be the heel with her friend. Uh, um, Jesus Christ, my brain just started. Shayna. Shayna and have a friend that cheat and help win. And it doesn't make her look bad because she's a, a, a evil heel. And Shotzi can not just get destroyed in an armbar. So I think everything is set up to just be like Shotzi's going to look cool and Ronda gets the win and figure out what the hell they're going to do with her. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm digging that Shayna-Ronda pairing, by the way. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, Shotzi was just kind of in a weird spot in by happenstances. They needed a heel and she's good enough and trusted enough to go ahead and try that. Unfortunately, it was the wrong time, wrong place for that. I think yeah, you're really? giving too little, too much credit to this man who's just not an insane old man who goes, oh, she's an old, she's oh, a, a metal chick. <laughs> gotta be a fucking heel. That's it's easily, it's definitely what it is. It's it's definitely what that. In the depth is. chart, there was there were a need for a heel. Shotzi was a trusted guy, and of course, they he saw that within her, and they went with her, opposed from going with Dana Brooke as a heel. So. It's just kind of like, yeah, we have this C plus. Let's see if we can make her a, a like a, a C heel. And it was, you know, a detriment, and they lost interest to her. And if you read all the tea leaves, she was supposed to have like a Val Venus gimmick. So that's bullshit too. So not everything is you read is true out there. So, but anyways, um, Rossi, where are you at on this? You know, Shotzi, I know you, she she was around our parts a lot, and she connected. Seems be connecting and this is the right road for her it's not going to be instant but i think she's going down the right path what say you yeah i mean triple h she's probably one of the biggest beneficiaries of triple h for sure uh she she gets it um and you know she's got that character that like you're saying it's been like an organic build uh crowd hasn't really gotten fully behind her to the level that um they did in nxt but that'll come you know she's the tank is cool um, I think that she was kind of saddled by some weirdo tag match stuff for the last couple of months, but now she's kind of able to shine and, you know, they just got to do a good job over the next two SmackDowns to kind of give her some shine to, you know, us, us four know that she's not going to win the match, but you got to somehow convince middle America to think that she's got a shot at it. Triple H will find a way to make that happen. Um, whether it's having her like, pin Shayna tomorrow night or I'm, I'm sorry, Friday night. Um, there's a couple different ways to do it. Um, but overall I'm ready for, for her to get this big spot. I think she deserves it. And I think Rhonda's going to play, play a great heel off of her strengths as well. So it's a good spot for both of them. I think the crowd will be pretty behind sh- uh, Shotzi in this spot. Um, and you know, they should have an opportunity to have a decent little match. Yeah. Good stuff. Over under eight minutes. Go around the corn. Over under eight minutes. I'll go over. I can see it being over, yeah. Yeah, I'll go over. I mean, maybe not by much. Maybe they get to like 11, but I think it'll go over. Yeah, I'll go 7.30 under. Got to play a contrarian. Are we, are we doing three hours? By the way. Four, four hours, do you think, for this? Because two hours of war games, and that only leaves an hour for mid-card stuff. So it probably will be a four-hour card. Probably, probably three and a half, four, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I hope so. Anyways, you know, give Saturday night time. too. Oh yeah. Um, but how how bad was that was that match that Shotzi won on SmackDown? By the way, uh, it, was, it was a rough one. A lot going on with nothing going on at the same time. All right, real quick, some quick hitters here. That's all they have for War Games uh, for Survivor Series right now. So kind of 
kind of let's hit the quick hitters and we're assuming some of this will be on that pay-per-view Austin theory cashed in and uh, it didn't really work out for you boy um, I get it it was needed I like the attention that he got this week but I don't like how they use the money in the bank to go after a mid-card title uh, I get it I get it it's for theory to get it off theory to take two steps back to take three forward I get it, I get it, I get it. But I don't like the allure of the history of the Money in the Bank of using it on a mid-card title, especially no one's talking about that he cashed it in during a open or a open challenge. So anyone could have came out. Why would he cash in his briefcase? So I don't know. And he was just, and then the whole of, you know, he the night he won Money in the Bank, he lost the U.S. title. So it's just kind of like, I don't, you know, whatever. It's I don't get it, but I understand the sentiment of he needs an edge. He needs to do this to get an edge. Why couldn't we just... And then him explaining, yeah, Roman Reigns is pretty much the big dog, and he's untouchable. Every time that I go around him, the bloodline's there to knock me out, or Lesnar's there to screw it, or Fury's there to screw me, and he's untouchable, so I went after the mid-card title, which is the number one title on my brand. So, yeah, I get it. But historically, legacy, I don't really care for that many in the bank wise. But I don't know. What say you, Marcus? Where you where where would you where, where are you on this uh, money in the bank cash in? The cash in, at least they did something different with it. I can uh, appreciate that. Now, the logistics of it being during an open challenge and kind of just no build up to it eh, could have been executed better. But for me and not to derail this. If I can uh, borrow from Mr. Brian Windhorse uh, earlier this year. Why would they do this? <laughs> Something very strange is happening up in Connecticut. Why would they do this? And the closest comparison that I can pull is back in October of 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Damian Sandow had the money in the bank and he was pretty hot and the brand split was kind of lesser than uh but he was on smackdown and he pops up over to raw uh to challenge john cena who had just won the world heavyweight title coming back from an elbow injury and he cracks cena in the elbow with the mahogany case and they have a you know two segment raw match and well there's the fu and john cena wins and sandow gets his water cut off but it was for a bigger purpose because very shortly after, we got the title unification bout between Randy Orton and John Cena, and I believe TLC, where Orton becomes the unified champion. And that gets us to Orton versus Daniel Bryan and Batista at WrestleMania, and everybody gets a chant yes, and everybody's happy except for me. Why would they do this, though? You have a full year with Austin Theory where you can continue to build him the briefcase doesn't always have to be a prominent threat. It can just kind of be in the background. And, I mean, they have all the way up to, what, July, June? So why would they kind of get this off of the path here? Why would they clear the slate here? They also just eliminated the other pay-per-views up until the Royal Rumble. I can't put it all together but it's very strange and something is happening. Something's definitely happening. Something I, is up here. Um, I would yeah, say I don't know what theory, it is, but I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I'd say it's good for theory. Like I said, I, 
I definitely like the uh, the aggression that he had, but just the whole how we got there is the whole dis- the disappointing like that's really what we did kind of thing. But um, you you look at at Sandow. My thought is it reminded me of a biggest jerk in wrestling history, Loki, doing his NXT cash in and uh, doing his IC title match, which I thought was that was to humiliate him, I believe, to make him look like an idiot because I think they realized he was a jerk. Um, but yeah, so that's what I, I did enjoy Loki with Lake Cool, by the way. Just yeah, because sure. the only time he ever showed humility in an entire part of his entire career and then just kick people in the face like a jerk. Um, to me, yeah, like it seemed like the, the briefcase doesn't have to be your gimmick. Like you're, you guys are like, it's, it's like Marcus uncovering the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> being deep throat on this one where it just, it just seems strange, right? Like maybe they just were like, this is the one thing where they're like, we got to, this is the one thing that was a holdover from the Vince era that we're just done with. But like, we're not even going to try. <laughs> like, and, and theory looks great now. He's fucking jacked to shit. He looks good. He's, he's, he's dropping the selfie thing. Uh, beard action. Uh, yeah, like his beard was not a weird beard that a pirate would have. Like, he's definitely got the best look he's had on the main roster. So, yeah, it is very interesting that they just kind of did it that way. Andy's a Triple H guy. Like, he is. Maybe like, they just get the stink of that stupid, like, thing off him. Just like, we're done. We, I'll, we'll perhaps. just figure that out. We'll just retcon this some other time. My thing with this is that you're right, Marcus. They are definitely going somewhere with it. But I ultimately think if where they're going with theory and the rebuild of his character works out over the next four to six weeks, then we won't give a shit about this cash in anymore. Um, and ultimately, if if you believe the rumors that they're going to go back to money in the bank at mania, you kind of don't want somebody carrying the briefcase around up until that time frame. You kind of want to get the briefcase some room to breathe as much as you need theory, some room to breathe away from it. So I definitely understand you guys' points here um, as far as like, you know, they could have done it better. They could have done it way better. But ultimately, if they do a good job of the re rebuilding of theory, you're not going to give a shit about this in a month. Yeah, I got you. What stock up on theory. I'd buy now, though, where it's the lowest, lower than Bitcoin right now. Uh, all right, World Cup's going on. Uh, it's leading to a icy match with Gunther. Uh, I kind of like the gist of all this World World Cup stuff. You know, you got the World Cup going on sooner rather than later, and um, it's a tester for to see if ratings wise a a tournament will draw for maybe in eight months for the King of the Ring to come around again or whatever. So. Um, you know, kudos to them on that, and I like that they're testing the waters there. I like the whole flavor of all the international talents put on into one tournament. And uh, Rocco, who do you got winning this thing? Um, I want Santos. I want Santos. I want him in a great match with uh, Walter, and then a Imperium uh, Legato feud. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Um, I wouldn't mind that at Survivor Series. I don't. I don't think they announced it for the Survivor Series, but timetable mine wise that might line up i'm afraid that we might have to table that santos match and we might get the Braun versus gunther in an ic match uh that'd be actually kind of cool bronze uh he's corny as all hell he's got ec3 vibes of course and uh he kind of controls his narrative but oh he's pretty good in ring for what he is and uh 
I could see, I'd be interested to see him and Gunther going out there for 15 minutes and just chopping the fuck out of each other and having Gunther getting really frustrated with him and then really chop the shit out of Braun. And at the end of the day, Gunther kind of making Braun take that L, man. What, what do you guys think? Rossi, who do you like in this World Cup? So originally I was thinking Butch, but, you know, with this running looking like the finals will be the night before um survivor series i think that it's going to well actually maybe not but either way i i with but butch and zane having a singles match i definitely think there's gonna be some fuckery there wouldn't even be surprised if they like double dq themselves and get some sort of like a buy for whoever is on their side of the bracket we haven't even seen a bracket yet either that's the other thing um but i mean i can't the only other person i could see was santos and i mean you got santos and Braun. that's I don't know. I don't know if you beat Braun with that because then he's in a feud with them, which isn't good for them. Who's pretty, they pretty much just started a feud with uh, the Viking Raiders and, or whatever they're going to be called now, who knows? And they're still kind of in the feud with um, hit row. So it's probably not the time for Santos. Um, but I really like the, I don't really care about the idea of the Braun match, but I like the idea of Gunther having two straight matches that are Ray and Braun. Um, because you can't have more polar opposites there. Um, and Gunther, look, Gunther can have a good match with a, with a, um, I, I don't even know what word to say here. Uh, something, something stupid. I was going to say like a cardboard box or something. The guy's excellent. And I, I, hopefully they don't do something real stupid, like give Braun the title, but ultimately a little Braun Gunther mini feud could, could be a good thing to kind of, I don't want to say elevate Braun, elevate Gunther, but maybe to some people he would because Braun is such like a megastar to um, certain aspects of the crowd. Uh, Gunther pinning him would be a big deal. So that's not what I want to see, but it definitely seems like the way they're going. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Marcus, you got a winner here? Um, anybody but Braun Strowman. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't Agreed. want to. Hey, I wouldn't uh, pick him. I could just see it. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Any other path is fine for me. Just because he's had other stuff. He's had the greatest Royal Rumble win. Uh, he's always a big guy. Like, he he just doesn't need it, and I'm not interested in it. That's all. I, I concur with you. That You, you ain't got to twist my arm. And right, then we got the United States title scene on Raw. It's also the mid-card scene. You got Lashley, Theory, Rollins, Ali, Elias, uh, Riddle, all skating around this thing. Uh, what kind of we're gonna see like a I don't want to say a six pack match because that's like NXT's thing that we'll get to next, but we gotta see like a multi man Survivor Series filler match here, or oh, is Lashley kind of kind of gear up and get the hurt business back together, and we're gonna have like an elimination style match here. I'm not sure what's going on here, but it seems like something in the mid card in the U.S. title scene is kind of lurking. Anyone to throw a volley here quickly, and then we'll move on. That's got to be it. Uh, the only thing is, does it become bigger if you put like a Riddle or a Gable in? Um, seems like Riddle should be in something um, coming out of this. And he's kind of been intertwined with this U.S. title feud without ever really showing interest in winning the title for whatever reason. Uh, it looks like it's a four way, though. Man. Yeah, they're built. You know, that's that's true. And you got Elias, too. Uh, it does seem like they're they're intertwining everybody together for it to be a four way between Rollins, Ali, theory and lashley and it might be a good way to get the title off rollins without pinning them if you want to maybe reset theory that way yeah that's good stuff that's that's interesting 
the best thing Rollins ever did was turn uh, Matt Riddle into a dude's where's my car loser bongo playing idiot that uh, definitely doesn't like I don't even know what's happening with that dude. It's so silly. Um, I'm happy because I think he's just a gross human being. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy he's not involved in anything. But those two dudes, after having that weird match at Extreme Rules, it just seemed like both their careers went in these weird ways that uh, I don't really understand. So um, Riddle just seems like a fucking idiot to me at this point. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> so. Yeah, anyways. If you Sorry, do you think that he's like a guy playing bongo? Like, yeah, he should like win the U.S. title. Like, his character is a fucking... The, like a, it's just so stupid. It's the dumbest he's thing. He's a placeholder done. for something. That's all it is. It's, it's so fucking stupid. It's so dumb. He's gonna eventually. He's gonna turn heel. I think he's. I think he's kind of in a holding pattern that, you know, he kind of is getting lost here because of Orton being out. Um, ultimately, I think. I think. Um, I can't even think of his fucking name now. Riddle. I think Riddle's gonna end up being a heel by Mania-ish, and then there. That's where you're at. Um, hopefully Orton's back for that turn, but they kind of took a serious angle with Riddle. It worked, and then they kind of veered off of it, and that's just because there's nothing for him. Um, ultimately, once you have something for him, he's going to be a quick person to turn heel. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Um, all right, NXT check-in real quick. Um, Braun's still your champion. Mandy's still your champion. Isa Dawn. Had a pretty cool return, and you know that last woman standing actually match was kind of good. Um, well, Alba Fire is pretty good, so you know that's not that surprising. But NXT deadline at the beginning of December here, and uh, two concept, uh, one concept match for two different style matches here, or two different matches with the same concept here. Um, the concept being two challengers, a men and a women. Two superstars start. Every five minutes, another superstar enters until all five are in the in the match. The goal is to have the most pinfalls at the end of 25 minutes. One point if you get a pinfall. If you take the loss, you must go into the penalty box for 90 seconds. Persons who get the most pinfalls when the clock hits 25s becomes the number one contender for the NXT championships or the NXT women's championship. So, interesting little match to get here. It's kind of better than the... Uh, championship scramble i like that everything matters within that 25 minutes i like how it's uh all of it adds up and i like how you kind of get intervals of people coming in could i hate it at the end of the 25 minutes perhaps but i think it's uh has interesting upside to be interesting and it's a jv program for a jv jv show so i'm here for it you know are you either of you guys have anything to say about it I'll go. I, I love weird stipulations. I think it's cool because it's a reverse rumble because you don't want to you want to be first because you want to be able to get as many pins as possible. So it's weird that you want to be the Iron Man because you have more opportunities to pin people. So coming in and like you think, oh, he only has five minutes. It's like, no, but he has five minutes to catch up. So it really does give the opportunity for uh, like a baby face to come in last, which sounds like, you know, we're very used to the uh, uh, rumble. So it's antithetical to like what the Royal Rumble is. So Babyface had come in last, and he's just got to try to clear the fuck out of the ring, you know. And you could have a big guy go on a, a run and get four pins real quick. So I think it's cool. I love penalty boxes. I love all that shit. Whenever anyone complains about Bound for Glory matches, it's too confusing. It's like, listen, motherfuckers, this is it's just wrestling. Like it's not that hard to follow a fucking the stipulations of a match. So I, I like weird, crazy fucking stipulations. So give it to me. I like it. Yeah, I'm interested in it. 
It feels like the King of the Mountain match that Impact used to do, um, or still does, where mm-hmm. there, theirs is it's the same idea, except I think with theirs, everybody starts at the same time. Um, but then you have to get a pinfall in order to climb a ladder to win the title. So there's no ladder involved here, so it's it's not fully like it, but the penalty box is what really makes me think it's a pretty similar match. I kind of like the penalty box aspect of it. Yeah. The thing with the Balfour Glory is it's like almost like a Texas death match where you have to pin the guy and then get the 10 count where it's kind of unnecessary. So without the climbing the ladder, it's like kind of cool. Like you you lose, now you go in the penalty box. I think it's all right. All right. So that'll be it for uh, WWE TV report here. Uh, Let's hit Ryan's thing of the week. So I was bouncing around ideas. Hey, man, it's war game season. What should we do? And my boy, Mike Rossi, kind of gave me the iggy on this idea. So we kind of, let's run with it. And Rossi, this is my segment. So I'm stealing your idea and calling it my thing of the week. I hope you don't mind. Thank you. See you. Checks in the mail. Hopefully it it clears after Marcus's checks hit his big ass one. <laughs> I'm gonna if, it becomes, if it becomes my idea two weeks in a row, though, then it just we have to change the name. Yeah, my indie corner will be, hey, indie, Ryan's indie corner. All right, let's end the show. So um, I, I did subsidize the Marcus one, so I can be a little scratch. In the back. Boy took some L's gambling, so the money's tight. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, my thing of the week is insert a war games into a past moment in WWE or wrestling history, and uh, what would that take a feud or a moment and insert a war games match into that feud, and what would you come up with? So, Marcus, you're our guest. Would you like to start here? What part of history? Within wrestling world, would you insert a War Games into a feud? If I could go back in time and uh, drop the double cage into a time period in WWE, I would pick a time period that's been on my mind, a time period that I think they really dropped the ball by seriously uh, mismanaging this whole entire feud. I think they did something wonderfully creative. They took a risk during a time period where – They were the clear and only number one um, product out there for wrestling. Um, No offense to TNA. TNA wrestling. And that is the WWE versus the Nexus. And I would have had the feud culminate at Survivor Series. And I would have had the Nexus team pick any five. uh, Go up against John Cena, Randy Orton. um, And then you kind of fill out the team from there. you got Jericho. Uh, there's some other stars around that time. The, the other players aren't so important. I think it really comes down to like Cena and Orton uh, coexisting, uh, having that tension there uh, with their history, uh, and having to combine forces to kind of go up against uh, the Nexus, this this group of, of young, hungry, capable guys uh, coming for their spots. Um, Again, at a time where there is nowhere else really uh, to jump and be a top name in the business. So uh, I think that really could have been something special if you put in uh, the Nexus versus uh, the WWE All-Stars, if you will. And so you're stretching that out from SummerSlam all the way to Survivor Series, making that work? 
Yeah, because they're still doing like Orton versus Wade Barrett at that Survivor Series with Cena as the special ref. And like if Cena doesn't count, whatever, you know, he's fired from the Nexus, blah, 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 blah. Um, I just would have stretched it out a little bit more. I would have had the Nexus get the win at SummerSlam, and I think it would have been a lot easier to carry that over uh, to Survivor Series if Cena doesn't completely kill the Nexus dead at SummerSlam. Awesome. I, I like it. That, that, that'd be, uh, it. It would be really cool to kind of dust off the war games for that era because it was kind of needed box office-wise, where that was a very, very downtime within company history. Mm-hmm. So kudos to the one that coming up and scratching that one up, Marcus. All right, Rossi, what is your pick? All right, so I'm going to go to the spring of 2014. Coming out of WrestleMania, we had Evolution, um, who went right into a feud with The Shield, um, kind of piggybacked off of, you know, Orton and Batista, you know, being in the match against each other where they lost to, to Brian at Mania. Um you know, then Triple H brought his buddies in against the Shield, um, reforming Evolution. Now, I'm not saying let's put Ric Flair in a War Games, um, but what I was thinking is, you know, we had the two six mans, which were both excellent. Um, I want to add a match to the end of that. That's a War Games. So this would have been right around like Money in the Bank time of that year. Um, but here's what I would have done. I would have had um, Rollins do the turn like he did, and then he completes the heel team, which is then Rollins and Evolution. So then the baby faces would have needed, which was uh, Ambrose and Reigns at that point, they would have needed two friends. Um, the way that the wrestling, the WWE landscape was looking at that point was, you know, if Danielson wasn't hurt, then you could have always done, you know, the shield, which was Reigns and, and Ambrose with Brian and Cena. But Brian was hurt. So that best case scenario, mega match was gone. So instead the Usos were running kind of hot then at the um, the pay-per-view. I don't remember what it was called that they did the Evolution Shield main ma- main event. Payback. There you go. Um, the Usos were on Cena's side against the Wyatt family. So that would have been an easy way to kind of transition them into helping their cousin out. Um, so I would have done ultimately because Dan- Daniel Bryan wasn't available. Um, evolution with Rollins against um, Reigns, Ambrose, and the Usos. Uh, I think it would have been a cool match, and it would have been a good way for you know one of the U- Usos to eat shit in the match um, to make Rollins the big mega star that he became out of this situation. Cool man, good shit. I like how we're kind of that was also a kind of desperate needed time, anyways, because Brian just went down. So our big main attraction, we have no world title, we have one belt. Let's dust off War Games and kind of throw it in there. All right, Rocco, what do you got for us? And where are you dusting war games off? <laughs> My instant thought went to where where uh, pre-existing war games. So I went to World Class Championship Wrestling in either in 1983 because you have the greatest one of the greatest feuds of all time, and it's very easy uh, to do Von Erichs. You add Chris Adams and Bruiser Brody, or you have the Freebirds, and then they maybe get Jimmy Garvin, who eventually would join them, and then they have Abdullah. And then you get the Von Erichs, and they get Chris Adams, and they they want Bruiser Brody in there, and then you get that classic feud. And you could even put at the end of World Class, where once again, you know, you get the Von Erichs, and you throw like the Fantastics in there, and Bruiser Brody against Gary Hart. Always cool to have a manager in the War Games, right? Like the yeah. uh, JJ Dillon. So you have Gary Hart in there, and the New Age management. So you get Abby, you get the Dingo Warrior. So you get the Ultimate Warrior in a War Games. You get Nord the Barbarian. So you get the Berserker, and you get Jeep Swenson in there. So you get, I guess, Bane from Batman and Robin. And also the guy with the strangest uh, Wikipedia picture you've ever seen. <laughs> Look it up. Um, but 
that got me thinking. And I was, I was like, let me think of a time that I was really like, I mean, I was invested, but I was a kid. But a time I was invested in and an adult was ECW. And I know Justin and the boy and the, the lady and the, and the boy are doing it. The boy. Sorry, Matt. Are doing it on uh, Extreme Three-Way Dance. And to rebook Hardcore Heaven 80, uh, 97, Team WWE, Jerry Waller, Sabu, who was the world champ at that time, RVD, and I want to throw Louis Spicoli in there and maybe PG-13 against Team ECW. Because uh, that pay-per-view is not- notoriously weirdly booked. So against Team ECW, you got Dreamer, Sandman, you throw Monkey, Mikey, old school Mikey, Terry Funk in there, who had just lost the title to Sabu. And then you get Shane Douglas on Team ECW because he hates WWE so badly that he will join Team ECW. But then he does the great... Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy swerve on the Von Erics, which is how I got to thinking of this, turns on Terry Funk, setting Terry Funk and Sabu up for when he eventually will win the title from Sabu later. Um, that's it. Um, I want to just rebook that whole pay-per-view, and uh, I think that's a great way to do it. It's a time of wrestling I love so much, and I, I love that era. And uh, anytime I can put Sabu in a, a match, I will, I will do it. So, yeah, there you go. Cool. Rocco with two of them. I love it. Sorry, I had to throw a bunch in. I was, you really got my uh, my brains spinning there on that one. Nah, it's a unique brain. But anyways, <laughs> I would go back to midsummer 1997 and go all the way to Canadian Stampede and all those juices and all that Canadian hate and all that Canadian love, all that U.S. hate, all that U.S. love, and then I would just have a good old-fashioned war. I'd get two rings, and I'd make a few substitutions. Not very much. You'd have the Hart Foundation, Brett, Pillman, Bulldog, Neidhart, and Owen. Wouldn't change a thing there. However, I would change just a few things on the on the babyface side. Originally, it was supposed to be Sid, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, and the Legion of Doom. Um, not sure what happened to Sid, but um, him and LOD faced you know, half of the Hart Foundation the month before at King of the Ring. And Brett or Sean and Stone Cold faced each other at King of the Ring. So I like that dynamic of Sean and Stone Cold, two opponents, two tag team. They were tag teaming and they were opponents. Stone Cold was on the rise. HBK was on the rehab. And they were, I like that world where they come together, co-captains of the war games, LOD, a, a, they have a history in war games. They're relied on. They're a legacy tag team, big tag team, big draw in that era still. And then I would put, I would keep the hot shot Ken, Ken Shamrock, cage fighter. We're in a cage. Um, he's the mid Carter guy that we want to uh, kind of use, and he's a, he's the world's most dangerous man. So we want him in the war. And all that fanfare, all that reaction, I would do it in Canada. I wouldn't change a thing. I would just insert war games. I wouldn't and insert Shawn Michaels. I know he was hurt, but insert Shawn Michaels for Goldust, and I would just go right at it right there and then. And that's my war games. And just I'd blow the roof off the place, even though it was already blown off because that match is awesome anyways. So that's the time in history where I would insert war games. That's awesome having the LOD in there. Yeah, good callback too, you know. Yeah. So that's that's a, that's what I thought of. I love all four of ours. Good shit. Oh, or all five of ours. Sorry, sorry. All good. All right, so Rocco, what do you have for Survivor Series moments as we ramble on out of here? 
Yeah, man, I just wanted to say, like, for Survivor Series, for me, it is the most nostalgic pay-per-view. Uh, my birthday is November 25th, so it, it is always right before or after. Um, back in the day when it was before, uh, we did not have this scratch hole for, to buy it, so I would get the tape from my one uncle and uh, get it and watch it. Uh, usually on my birthday, it's kind of a gift to have my uncle bring it to me. So it just, for me, it just ties into, it's Hogan and Andre, and they just needed something between WrestleMania 3 and 4. So it's the most tied into pay-per-view for nostalgia for me um i don't know if you guys feel the same way so i just want for me it, it just is interesting because the multi-man match is always such a fun thing and done right or wrong like war games we have that and then you have stuff like the elimination chamber and the, all these like multi-man matches and there, there's always such a chance and as a kid i was always frustrated that a guy would get pinned with a, like a clothesline <laughs> after like a minute but it also gives you the chance for the spectacle of like a five like 10 and 10 match with all these tag teams and I just think, like, Vince McMahon likes to, like, shit on a lot of the stuff he created. So the needs for stakes were always kind of lost eventually. And it just seemed like the simplest answer in the world was, like, all the winners get title shots. And boom, like, the next day on Raw, like, you get a – this guy fights for this. It just seemed like a great way to do stuff and maybe see unexpected chemistry in a match. And I don't know. Me being a little older where I was there for the birth of Spicers, does it mean a lot to you guys because – did seem it, it was never it's the big four that was never treated like the big four you know it's like the bastard the redheaded stepchild as they say so does it make you guys nostalgic is there something you like a gimmick you would put on it to make it more important and like what would you add to it and um do you guys look forward to it as much as you look forward to a summer slam or a probably not a rumble or mania but like I don't know, like, I just want your guys' opinions on SummerSlam and the way it could have been or how you would do it or just does it bring you the nostalgic feelings it does for me? Yeah, I share the same sentiment being a November birthday myself. Um, 25 years ago to the day of HBK and Bret Hart in the Montreal Screwjob. Oh, holla, 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 Marcus, the greatest day in professional wrestling history. That was... (laughs) I had to, I'm sorry. But anyways, so 25 to... um, a, a kid of the poor also marco that was my 13th birthday present was the survivor series that year so i always did rec- you know got the survivor series at blockbuster or hollywood video whatever we got them i had a bunch of them already on vcr taped and um yeah i'm definitely nostalgic for it and to add stakes i kind of liked what they used to do in like 98 or 90 or i don't think they did it in 91 even where they had the sole survivors team up for a ultimate survivor series match at the end and i always thought that it would be cool if the survivors of that team would go on and kind of face each other to be the last entrant into the royal rumble that was always my kid like fantasy dream of like oh why don't we just continue this survivor series kind of style and roll it into the next pay-per-view so that was kind of always my thing as a kid the fantasy book because you know how we rock and roll. Any either any of you guys have a uh, nostalgia towards the Survivor Series? It was always cool as just as far as like oh there's a weekend um you know holiday weekend in Survivor Series either like the week before or the week after so like that was always cool especially when it was like Thanksgiving Eve. Um Survivor Series was actually the first pay-per-view uh that I ever saw um like live on television uh Survivor Series 93. Um so it does hold a special place in my heart. 
Um, I think back then when you didn't have superstars versus superstars um, as frequently as you do now, um, that was kind of the appeal with seeing all these characters and stories like intersect and interact. Um, but now I think we've evolved to the point where you need some stakes and hopefully with this war games that freshens things up for a year or two. But I even think like after you get past the second war games, you're going to need some stakes. Um, whether it's the winner gets a title shot, winner gets number 30, you know, like the whole Royal Rumble, uh, title match, you know, it's always almost a, a foregone decision. Like, uh, whoever wins, it's just kind of, you know, a placeholder, um, you know, to get to the real main event. Well, like, why not have, uh, you know, the survivors or the sole survivor get the title match at, uh, at the Royal Rumble. And then that way, at least you have, okay, we have a three way, we have a four way, um, lots of possibilities there. You can do stuff on TV where they have a match together and the winner of that, uh, faces the champion one-on-one. Um, you at least have a little bit more meat on the bone to book out for TV, uh, in my opinion, and build up to the Royal Rumble. It, it gives you a chance to have new feuds and new cool shit where like, oh, Evan, I'm, I, mean, I don't know why I thought of 2010, Evan Bourne and whatever is on a, a surviving team with John Cena and Evan Bourne gets a chance to wrestle on Monday. And now you have a new feud that started just because he won a match instead of having the build to it. And then you have like, like you said, the the idea of like Bam Bam Bigelow being on a team with Andre was such a cool thing to me. And you get these weird pairings and then maybe you never thought of them, but then you see them and you go, wow, that's something I want to see. So there is a, and even if you, these guys win a chance at a Royal Rumble number could be a thing like, and then it could be a lottery where if you win, the, if you're one of the survivors, you could either be number 25 or you have a chance to be a better number. Like, you know, there's so many cool things you could really do outside the box and do you think that the War Games is going to kill the traditional Survivor Series match? Do you think that's where they're going? It's kind of scary since Trips is getting rid of the themed pay-per-views, right? So I don't want that to happen. It doesn't seem like there is a traditional Survivor Series match on this card either, right? I would force one in somehow. I just like the tradition of having one. Right. You know, like I'm nostalgic for it with you too. So I would still force one, even if it was like. A weird one, like it is weird, weirdly a nostalgic the thing, the right? Meta, really. Yeah, right. Like the weirdest version of it, with a little bit of stakes, could just be the coolest thing that you see, right? Mm-hmm. It's like one of those weird, like uh, in Chikara when they would have like the tri- the trios mat, like uh, the uh, God damn it, the weekend where they had all the tri- the trios tournament. Yeah, just, king of trios. Yeah, the king of trios, where you just get all these random teams together, and then they would do the the next day where they had the the combinations. Like to me, that's the coolest part of like wrestling you get those crazy and those weird dragon gate matches where you just have these random teams and i don't know i love that aspect of it so i, I do like the idea that like oh you got to be you you guys all want a chance for the, the, the random things you want now you're all together and let's see and then next thing you know you get some crazy tag team out of it one thing that i really um when they first announced war games i was like is there any way that he turns his war games into like an elimination war games so then it's kind of like the best of both worlds um, I'm kind of ultimately glad that he didn't because that kind of like, I don't know, that would make what's already a long match, like a stupidly long match, uh, but, or just make real wonky eliminations. But even though people have shit on the, on the format the last few years when it's been Raw versus SmackDown, 
there's always been like guys getting elevated into a bigger spot than they're used to. I mean, you look back at that, that triple threat year with NXT and like, how cool was it to see a guy like, like at the time, Walter, like in that spot where he had no, absolutely no main event exposure at all, even though he get jobbed out like a useless turd in like two minutes, it was still cool to see him in that spot. And then even riddle, like being able to, you know, try to get the crowd behind him and stuff. That was a, that I really liked that NXT year. If you didn't notice, um, because I thought that it was a cool way to elevate people to that level. I mean, ultimately, it was just uh, you know, a let's beat AEW in, in their own game situation. But there was always situations where you know, like Eric Rowan was randomly in a match. Like, how's he gonna do? There's been kind of oddball portions of that, that even when Survivor Series kind of fell off a cliff, I really still enjoyed it. And it was just a different type of match you get used to every year. I will miss it if it's gone for good. Um, I don't want them to force one in if it doesn't make sense to. But I was even thinking, you know, maybe we get an elimination like mixed tag with uh, Judgment Day and the OC. Um, They could have pulled that off. Um, You know, ultimately, I'm happier to get the singles match. But I think down the road, they can bring it back at times or... You know, hell, maybe even give the concept uh, to NXT for a show, random show here or there. Um, overall, I'm excited to see the board games. I think it's definitely going to be the time to do it. Um, but yeah, you're right, Ryan. There is some nostalgia to it that I'm definitely going to miss. I mean, you could make a match where you fight to get into it, too, where it's like these are for title shots. But the diesel push was used for the head of the table, right? Roman Reigns did have that one Survivor Series where he... Right? Am I mm-hmm. of that? Yeah, right. He yep. took the fucking... He, he has the most... Yeah, that was in Survivor. Boston. Yeah, like in, that was 20, 2013, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they didn't do the that with him for the Rumble. But they gave him the, gave him the uh, Survivor Series version of that, and uh, you know that started everything that we're seeing now, right? Wow. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you think a cybernetico could exist in the WWE, Marcus? I could see it in NXT. I really could. Ooh. Um I One of the greatest the, matches I ever saw was Sarah Delway winning the uh, Cybernetico. That was a fantastic one, yeah. Um, I think that would work really well in NXT, um, where you can just take an episode of television or you can take uh, one of these, uh, well, not takeovers anymore, but NXT live of, premium live events, uh, and you just dedicate like the whole uh, second half of the show to the match. Um, you have your undercard matches on the first hour and then dedicate a healthy 45 minutes to uh, – to the Cybernetico match. I don't know that would be my dream. I think everybody's all jealous and shit, cause I'm like the lead singer of the band, dude. And I think everybody's got a fucking problem with me, dude. And they need to take it up with me after the show. Because these chicks don't even know the name of my band, but they're all on me like they want to hold hands. Cause once that is a hell of a way to transition us to the indie corner. Rossi, what do you got for us with the indie corner? Send us home, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so a pretty light week. A um, couple things notes as we did talk about Fight Plus a lot a couple weeks ago. It is fully up and running. They've had shows from um, like GCW and PW Revolver. Um, they're, they're picking up steam. I mean, it does work really well. I do have to give them that. Um, fights always been a pretty good platform and it works well on really all formats whether you're apple tv whether you're um, fire stick whether you're google whatever um it, it does work i've got a couple different iterations of technology around the house and i've tried it on both and 
they flow well. So they definitely have the format down and, and having all the content up from prior years is really cool. You know, you just want to sit down and watch some some random ass death match from GCW in 2018. It's there, right? So there's a lot of cool aspects to it. It's functioning great at five bucks. It's still probably the best deal in wrestling right now. Um, so, you know, I definitely suggest signing up for it. If you're into indie wrestling at all, check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, now GCW is back this weekend in Providence for a show called aura. Um, now Ryan, you were at the last Providence show. Uh, you're not going this weekend, right? I doubt I will. I doubt I'll go. I, NFL Sunday is hard to pull me from. It is. It um, is. They're, they're definitely um, not going to bang this place out like they did last time. They're strong. It's it's kind of a cool show. Uh, There's definitely some high, higher end names here. It's I don't know if they're like making Providence like the work rate city because I think that was like their best show of the year. Um, but they ran a pretty goddamn good card together here, too. So, I mean, first off, the bullshit. There's second gear crew. Um, this time it's going to be Effie, Matthew Justice, and Mance Warner against Dark Sheik, Sawyer Wreck, and John Wayne Murdoch. That'll, that's kind of a random team, but that'll be a bloodbath. Um, but then, you know, there's some good matches as well, like Speedball Mike Bailey against Jonathan Gresham, round two. They had a good one a couple months ago or so, maybe a month ago. Um, I mean, that's a pretty big-time match in the indie landscape today. Uh, Maki Ito is making a GCW appearance against Masha Slamovich. Uh, Nick Wayne is wrestling Alec Price, uh, so that's kind of a East Coast, West Coast thing. I think that's going to be a really good match. Uh, Los Macizos is having a rematch with Waves and Curls. They they tore, tore the roof off of that first Providence show. This time it's for the GCW title, so uh, be GCW tag titles. That'll be cool to see Waves and Curls get that opportunity. Um, their four-way is the returning Ninja Mac, uh, fresh off a run in Noah. Um, in a four-way against Leon Slater, Blake Christian, and Tony Deppen. That should be pretty fun. Uh, and then Matt Cardona is in Providence, and he's wrestling Jordan Oliver. So kind of an interesting mesh of styles there. Um, but, you know, Cardona doesn't really go in and have these killer matches. It's more so, you know, getting heat and whatnot. So that'll be a fun time down in Providence this weekend. Um, and then GCW is gearing up for New Year's Eve, um, which they'll be running their New Year's Eve show and then their New Year's Day show. Um, but they also have a super big L.A. weekend coming up in the middle of December, which will be their debut of Vikingo, um, who has a lot of weird rules if you want, if you want them on your indie show. Um, it's really all being negotiated through uh, AAA. Um, you can't have them on the live broadcast, but if you send the tape to them, then they can mesh up highlights to send back to you. It's really weird. I doubt GCW follows any, follows any of those rules, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but they have Pagano on that show. Um, he's wrestling Janela, I believe it is. Uh, there's there's a lot of cool matches on that show that are starting to get built up. It seems like the L.A. market is kind of where they're putting a lot of their biggest shows lately, um, probably because they have access to a lot more talent there at a cheaper rate than they would bringing them into Jersey. So, be interesting to see how that all goes and then what they put together for New Year's. But this Fight Plus is definitely going to increase a little bit um, of their viewership for sure at that $5 a pop. But let's just see if their live attendance that has been somewhat struggling the last couple of months um, picks up as well. Um, now, another thing that we will talk about is Beyond Wrestling. Um, obviously, they are back in action for a full-blown Beyond show um, the day after Survivor Series, which is in Boston, for 
a show called Motherload in Somerville. Now, this show, um, there's going to be two names that are announced for the show that aren't going to be there. Um, WWE put the kibosh on a couple of righteous individuals. Um, I don't think they've signed with WWE yet, but um, there's definitely some control they have over them. So that's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Um, but matches on that show, uh, Kings of the District in the first round of the Territory Tag Team Tournament, uh, wrestling the aforementioned Waves and Curls. Um, there's a six-man match with Above the Rest, which is uh, Gabriel Sky and Tristan Ty with Desmond Cole against the Miracle Ones of Dustin Waller, Ichabon, and Kylan King. Um, right now, you've got the Advertised Shit Crew against the Righteous. Um, we'll see what happens there. And then there's other tag matches. Uh, Little Mean Kathleen and Teddy Goods are wrestling Bussy. Uh, that's Ali Ketch and Effie. Um, and Ortiz is back for another match with Alec Price. Uh, that'll be another cool one. They had a good one at Rana. Um, and then singles matches, Akira is wrestling Becca. Uh, that's very interesting. And uh, Willow Nightingale and Masha Slamovich is the main event advertised for the show right now. So, um, And then beyond is after this, they're going to be full bore towards Heavy Lies the Crown, which is a part of Restival um, New Year's Eve weekend. Um, and, you know, they have a lot of cool names that are showing up for that show. Um, Prestige is in town. Um, we've talked about that a little bit. They added Alan Angels um, in the last couple weeks, um, which that's going to be his first like real like East Coast return since he left AEW. Um, and ICW still clicking. They had a really good show this past weekend. Um, they have some really cool storylines going on around their their Casey Kirk title reign. Um, she's been just killing it in that in the top of the card there. Um, there's like a weird love train triangle going on with her and Cruel and her husband Brandon. Um, so I don't know where that's going to percolate to, but it'll be interesting. They've also got Masha Slamovich on their uh, Restable show on December 29th against the boss man himself, Danny DeManto. Um, and that card is also going to have um, there's some weird shit on that card, like Casey Kirk's wrestling Hoodfoot, which will be a pretty good match. Slade's got John Wayne Murdoch. Akira's got Alec Price. I don't know what Alec Price is going to do in the pit, but we'll figure it out. Um, and other than that, you know, we're just pretty much gearing towards kind of a lull in the Indies up until New Year's. It kind of happens every year around this time. And then New Year's almost feels like the kickoff. There's always big angles on both of those company shows, GCW and beyond. Um, and, you know, we'll see where it all goes. And uh, let's hope 2023 gets off to a better start in Indie the big boys of indie wrestling than 2022 did with that uh, Hammerstein mess that they had last year. So let's see, but hopefully they end up the year strong and um, maybe in the future, we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that beyond main event, which is going to be on new year's Alec price and Becca in a fans bring the weapons match. So that's all I got. That sounds rough. <laughs> Them and your fans bring the weapons match. That sounds a little rough ski, but hey, I'll... it's just it's a main event, you know. Yeah. Main it's event. It's their two probably names that they're pushing the most, and let's be honest, I don't think those two will be around by next New Year's Eve. So, oh, I feel you. I feel you. All right, guys, let's round it out here. Marcus, thank you as always for coming on. It was a great time having you. I was glad to be able to get you here on. As a guest with all three of us, compared to us three without Rocco. So, uh, you know, thanks again, buddy. And hopefully that check clears. And I did add an extra zero to it for, oh. for, for a thank you 
I've already blown it on uh, sports uh, um, opportunities. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed being uh, being on the program, and um, yeah, I look forward to the great content you guys keep pushing out. So can I do a little plug ski tomorrow? We have war. Do we have the season finale? I know we have WrestleMania coming up. Is it WrestleMania and the season finale into one, or do you do them separate? I doesn't jog. Just jog my memory real quick. On we that. are doing WrestleMania and the uh, season recap awards all in one episode. Awesome. So that'll be WrestleMania 21. That's right. Finishing out our 0405 season. Can we get a little plug ski on what's coming up next, or we have to wait and see? Ooh. Ooh, um, I'm going to uh, – yeah, if you're listening at this point, I'll go ahead and give uh, everybody a heads up. We're going to hop forward about a decade plus uh, into 2015, 2016. Ooh. 2016, the last great year of WWE. Oh. Interesting. We'll, we'll see, see if that holds true. All right, Rossi, how did your uh, NCAA preview tournament go with uh, Reach? I think it went really good. Um, it's, it's still out there to listen to. I think that's going to have a lot of, like, evergreen content. Like, this, we, that's evergreen. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, we break down every conference. Um, nothing's really made us look bad yet. Um, I'm sure there will be some stuff, oh, although as we're, re- as we're recording this, Gonzaga's getting beat by 20 versus Texas. Uh, so... You know the the world of college basketball is wild in the in the in the transfer portal stage. So I I know that there's been a lot of injuries that have kind of impacted the sport so far to start. I know you know my UConn boys are missing two of our three best players, but we're still beating the shit out of these cupcake teams. So I'm excited to see the the real games get going soon, and you know more opportunity for us to put some some wagers on the line as we move down the line and. uh you know, it's always good to have college basketball back. It just adds more value to our programming every night. Yeah, you get a little flavor to the big boys matchup this weekend as they uh, kind of lurk out into the big boys playing each other, as you see tonight with Gonzaga versus um, Texas. And then what, what we have Michigan State versus, was it Duke last night? I forget. What Either way. Yeah, yeah, Duke played Kansas, Michigan State played Kentucky. They, um, the Blue Bloods. Gonzaga's, Gonzaga's playing Kentucky coming up here soon. Gonzaga always plays crazy schedules, so they're yeah. just taking one on. They always take one or two on the chin, but it's always good for him come March. Yeah, of course. So, uh, Rocco, what do you got before we get out of here? Um, this Saturday, I'm going to go, be going to a Jersey Championship wrestling show in Booton, New Jersey, which is a place I once saw. Orange Cassidy, the previously uh, mentioned Orange Cassidy, have a really cool match with Biff Busick in a Wrestling is Respect show. I think it was like 2012 or 13. Um, I think a uh, friend, friend of Marcus, Estonian Thunderfrog, was on that show as well. Um, wow, I to, what a guy. Yeah, I heard he's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like all Estonian people. I will get to see Masi Ito live, which is wow, why really? I'm going. Yeah, she's fighting Janai Kai. It's the day before the, uh, the, uh, the Boston show, or wherever you guys are up there. And, uh, there is a bunch of Survivor Series matches on that show, and I will see uh, Tommy Rich, former world champion Tommy Rich, teaming with Doug Gilbert, Chris Hamrick, and John Wayne Murdoch in a match uh, against the Second Gear crew. Then I'm kind of excited to see the Chris Hamrick bump live and in person. Uh, that's kind of the most exciting thing I'm thinking of. But uh, yeah, seeing Maki Ito live seems like the coolest thing ever in the world, and uh, Janai Kai is pretty cool too, so that match is going to be crazy. John Gresham's on that show too. Uh, it seems like a really cool show. It's like a one o'clock on a Saturday. I will have to. My friend Steve is picking me up early to bring me there. 
And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. It's a really cool spot, and they seem to be doing the Jersey Championship shows there. It's free on YouTube at 1. I hope it'll be cataloged there. So, uh, yeah, that's not anything I'm doing that I've done, but it's something I am doing. So, yeah, check it out. It is should be a fun this show. This weekend or next weekend? That is this Saturday, a uh, few days from today, hey, uh, the, the day after this hey, drops. An indie match that I forgot, too, and this is fucking absurd, um, WrestleCade weekend which is the weekend of Survivor Series um, down in North Carolina. Um, Nick Gage is defending the GCW title against George South. <laughs> oh, right. it did come through fruition. There you go. Not a lot of bumps in that match, but hey. <laughs> well, before, before the match, probably, but not that. Not <laughs> Jesus. All right, guys. We'll, <laughs> we're going to bump our way out of this podcast. And uh, <laughs> All right. Again, Marcus, thank you very much. And Rocco and Rossi, we'll see you next time. Later, guys. Mm-hmm.